L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. You know that feeling when you've been away from home for a long time and you walk in the house or apartments or condo, whatever it may be, and you sit down and you exhale because you are home. That is the feeling so many of us felt on the first college football Saturday of the season, Mike Harmon, it was an amazing feeling knowing that, yes, football is back. And there was there was something about channel surfing, even though there weren't really great games going on early yesterday morning. Oklahoma was blowing out FAU. Ohio State was running past Oregon State. Yet Texas and Maryland did a pretty good one, and Ole Miss and Texas Tech going at it. But when you look at it, the whole college football day, in the end, it's just great that it's back. What a feeling it was yesterday to have college football back again. But see, Dan, I got that on Thursday night. I already had my 1-0 and with my Northwestern team in the books. So for me, it was kick my feet up and I could just oh, be a, a – there was no anxiety, no nervous – I mean, because I don't but have a bunch not, of wagers it, laid down. It's it was not, great. It's not even about that. It's just it's about having to, – to know that you can turn on Fox – and you could turn on ESPN, and you can turn on uh, Fox Sports 1, and you could turn on CBS Sports, and know that there's a game on every single one of those channels. There is something about that. You, I know that there's games on Thursdays, but just yesterday, it just it had such a different feel. And then when those first games were done, weather delays or no weather delays, you had more games. And then after Washington and Auburn played their doozy, you had more games. And you had Michigan and Notre Dame, and it was just... It's just it. It's a familiar feeling that I, I I sat as I was watching the games, and it's yesterday morning for us here on the on the West Coast. Sure. As I'm as I'm I'm sitting there, and I I look out the window, and and I and I put a tweet up by the way. 
By 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon, I had taken 44 steps. That shows how my college football Saturday had gone. I was hungered down. You can see that I got up at a, you know between 8 and 9 to get everything ready, and then at around noon when a lot of the early games were, were wrapping up, I was able to get out of, off the couch and, I don't know, probably go to the bathroom or something like that. And then, <laughs> yeah, 44 steps in the morning. But it was just it was just a great feeling, and it's just great to have college football back. And next week we're going to be talking about the same thing with the NFL. Now, the beauty of it, right, you know, you have all these channels, not only your major sports outlets, but locally in each market you'll have some random games. You're, like, flipping through stations going, wow, I didn't know they carried football because they'll have some small conferences. Like, sure. all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, why is this on? I don't know. It's more football. It's all good by me, uh, especially with the number of weather delays, right? It's like, all right, Texas and, and Maryland, they're going to go disappear for an hour and a half now, so go flip your way over to another game. And eventually you'll you'll cycle back and, and you'll watch the – implosion and, and the flames rising up in Texas as Tom Herman falls uh, in the opener and then already, you know, chance for his job. So you've got all sorts of uh, fun and excitement across the, the college landscape, some some marquee names, and certainly in Los Angeles. I mean, I'm, I'm out traveling in Chicago, so, you know, everything here was Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, uh, and Michigan. So, but keeping an eye on Chip Kelly's debut, uh, that didn't go so well. But you know what's great about that? They can play misdirection because a month from now LeBron James will show up for camp with the Lakers <laughs> and nobody will care. Uh, this is Fox Sports Sunday coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Mike Harmon is on how many hours of sleep after your concert at Wrigley last night? Well, you know, we had a lightning delay of over an hour, Dan. <laughs> so it robbed me of uh, what was supposed to be a little more sleep. So we're sitting at about, uh, I don't know, the over-under at three and a half. I was going to decide. I was going to say, is it is it even hours? Is it even plural? Well, we'll, uh, we'll for surely keep you awake for the next three hours because we've got a lot to get to. Looking ahead to the NFL season, we'll get you caught up to date on the final cutdowns in the NFL, considering how that could affect your fantasy team because there are fantasy implications. And, of course, the big trade in the NFL yesterday, sending Khalil Mack from the Raiders to the Bears. We dive into that, all that and a whole lot more coming up. But first, let's get our first serving of hot takes and sausage on this Labor Day weekend. Our executive producer is Ryan Dennis. He throws up a topic for Mike and I to discuss, and then he gets to pick a winner. Sam Kinsley, our technical producer, is here as well. What's happening, guys? Oh, good to be with you guys. Good to be with you. It what was up? just a, it's a feast, a smorgasbord of ball yesterday. I, Iowa Sam is happy over his Hawkeyes victory, I'm very. sure. Oh, very. And, 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 and I don't know if you saw it, Mike, but a couple of nods to one old Kirk Ferentz. For the Absolutely. Iowa Hawkeyes and getting sure. that win. Yeah. Iowa's all-time winning as coach now at 144 wins, so there you go. That, and I, I love watching people sweat because it took a while for that thing to open up. <laughs> they did. It was 3 uh, nothing at half, but uh, that defensive line is nasty this year, and they took over in the second half. Ryan Dennis is wearing his Boise State shirt, happy with the Broncos' victory yesterday as well. So we got a, we got a winning studio, which is... There, there are some studios that aren't too happy, maybe with how things went yesterday, <laughs> maybe in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and up in Seattle, Washington. But good to have you guys here. Ryan, what have we got on the griddle today? Yeah, absolutely. The Broncos got the win. Um, but, yeah, as we uh, as we were talking about, you know, college football is back. It's just a sensory overload of games, one after the other. But who had the worst opening weekend in college football? And this de- doesn't necessarily mean, you know, a specific 
or just a team, but it can be, you know, a head coach, a, you know, wink, wink, or, uh, <laughs> sure. or, uh, you know, yeah. any, anything, just who, uh, who's sweating more after this first weekend of football. And we'll start with, uh, we'll start with our Chicago man all the way Ooh. out. We'll start, uh, with Mike Harmon. Well, I think I could easily go for the chalk, given that there's headlines everywhere uh, about Jim Harbaugh. But I'm going to go back. I mentioned Tom Herman a little bit earlier, right? Drawn into the, hey, I'll be happy to talk about those strip clubs and recruiting and everything else going on at the Ohio State. And then you go out and get punched in the mouth once again by a Maryland team that, you know, some speed at wide out and some positives in the program, but certainly not a world beater and a team you're expected to win. You were ranked once again based on the Texas brand. They set you up to succeed and catapult you into great things by giving you much, much loftier perch than you deserved. And instead you fall flat on your face once again. The offense was inept, failed to generate much of a spark whatsoever. And so for Tom Herman being embroiled in in one controversy and yes, he was originally rumored to potentially be the one of the sources for Brett McMurphy and whatever that may that wa- goes out in the wash but the the fact of the matter is you're you're a part of that and I got to imagine to some degree that's going to hang over this program all year long so uh the the fires fire Herman chants were were starting up a little bit during that game uh from the fans that decided to stay after the hour and a half delay and so now it becomes a, a question of how do they rebound when we got together on Friday night, because I was in for Jason Smith, Mike and I were hanging out, Ryan Dennis was here as well, we talked about what this college football weekend was really about, and in my mind, it was about the conferences, and the biggest loser who had the worst weekend this past weekend was the Pac-12 conference, because you needed Washington to win. You needed your marquee program to go on the road. I don't care that it was a close game, that they fought hard, that they only lost by five in what was essentially a road game, even though it was a neutral site affair in Atlanta. You needed the win, and it didn't help that Chip Kelly at UCLA lost at Cincinnati, or at home against Cincinnati, and it also didn't help that Arizona fell at home to BYU last night. And when you're looking at the landscape of how you try to break into that college football playoff, Mike, we talked about the the lack of opponents that the Pac-12 has for strength of schedule-wise outside of the conference. It's really up to USC and Stanford to carry that banner if they want to have great wins. And the biggest game on all, on that entire schedule was Washington and Auburn. The Pac-12 needed that, didn't get it to go along with the other losses. Pac-12 had the toughest weekend opening weekend in college football but this is one of the probably the one of the tougher decisions i've ever had to make Ooh, on hot takes and sausage because we made some I, good points huh? I, yeah i mean i think i agree 100 percent with you on both sides and then you know as a you know a resident pac-12 truther i guess you know unless i mean it's basically i don't see any other team besides stanford who has a shot and I don't even think Stanford's that good. So good luck for the Pac-12 trying to get into that college football playoff. But I love Mike's answer with Tom Herman because we you lost to Maryland at the start of the season last year. And so now you do it again. You got to think, I mean, Herman was brought in to be the savior of this Texas program. And right now you're not seeing a whole lot of improvement. So Mike Herman is the winner. Wow. You know what was what – was, what was so tough as well about the week that 
when Urban Meyer got his three-game suspension and then there was the, the, the report a couple of days prior to that about the Zach Smith strip club, many, many in Columbus, many on Ohio State message boards were saying it was Tom Herman that was with Zach Smith at the, at the club. It was Tom Herman. It was Tom Herman. Yet Ohio State went to the great length to announce that it was Tom Herman right. who was yeah. like, so you want to talk about bad weekend, bad week. That added on to it, and and so so to your point, Mike. Yeah, it was a it was a tough exclamation point in all the wrong ways for Tom Herman to wrap up the week yesterday at Texas. Well, was, we're gonna cover up and obfuscate and and use uh, semantics and with the word lie and others for everything else in this report. But you know what? Yeah, it was him. It was him. Absolutely. He was the guy that was part of the strip club. No question about it. Take that, Texas, and have fun with that. So, yeah, they they certainly went out of their way to make sure that 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 was the part that was triple underscored boldface. Maybe blinking if it was on your computer with the right uh, extra little codec there. You know, the Big 12 could have had an argument as well. They didn't get their Texas Tech win against Ole Miss in a showdown against an SEC school. Kansas lost to Nichols State. You mentioned the Texas loss to Maryland, but at least you had West Virginia routing Tennessee in that game in Charlotte. And there's there's Oklahoma got to win. TCU's right. going to have Ohio State in a couple of weeks, so they can maybe make some hay there as a conference. But it's just it would looking at the Pac-12 and looking at how many opportunities or really lack thereof that that conference has to make a statement, and it's it, it means to take nothing away from Washington in a close loss or in a game that was that was close. The point is, is that you have to get a victory. There are no moral victories in a game like that. Washington needed to get a win. The conference needed to get a win and they didn't get it. Add on to Chip Kelly's debut with UCLA and what happened with uh, the Arizona Wildcats and Kevin Sumlin's debut. That was a tough day for the Pac-12 in my mind. No, that's just it. You added the couple of headliners, right? The the big entries into back into, into coaching and, and for Sumlin, you know, he, they got pushed around. Like, they got beaten down pretty soundly in that game. For UCLA, some questionable decision-making, uh, but losing Wilton Spate certainly didn't help things because clearly the uh, the backup was not ready for prime time. He, yeah. he was not ready to get after it. So uh, that that certainly changed the complexion of that game. But you, you look at uh, the, the highlight for the Pac-12 and Washington, look, good red zone defense. Hang a hat on it. That's great. You lost. Because uh, that, that's what everybody's trying to push today. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? It could have been a lot worse. And you know what? It looked like it was going to be one of those games. All right, maybe they survive the first couple of drives and yeah. it stays low scoring, but eventually the dam's going to break, and it didn't. So good for them. Their defense held up, and that's all fine and good. The best story of the night was Herm Edwards. Yeah, running all over the road. Runners. Oh, come on! That was my pick Friday night. I, like I know. UTSA I, all I, over. I was, I was Is that what you're trying to do, Harmon? You tried to stick the knife into my picks. I started out four and zero, and then dropped uh, the last two. UTSA had some tough times last night with those with Sparky and Herm. Man, no, I don't. I don't I, who, no, nobody saw that coming though. You, the the Roadrunners return a, a good defense, at least by all metrics and and all measures and all experts saying, all right, they'll keep it close and we'll see what Herm's got. And instead, I see guys running and like, wait, yeah. they're high fiving again. Is that a replay? Like, no, <laughs> that's another touchdown. Yeah, they jumped out early and uh, did not look back against those Road Walkers. Whew. That's what they were last night. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday coming to you live for the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Yes, fifteen minutes. Could save you 15% or more on car insurance. If you want to reach us on Twitter, I'm at Dan Byer on Fox. Mike, they can get you at 
Find me over at Swollen Dome. Let's get it. Simple enough. Now, there was another fan base that was greatly disappointed on Saturday. That is in the NFL. And the L.A. Clippers, yes, the L.A. Clippers of the NBA, may just be the reason that Khalil Mack is now a Chicago Bear. We explain coming up next year on Fox Sports Sunday. You play to win the game. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byers. So glad to have you with us, especially on this Labor Day weekend to take time out. We're going to preview the upcoming NFL season a little bit later on in the show. Speaking NFL now as we go Fox Sports Radio Studios in Chicago. I'm at our home studio base in Los Angeles. Mike, let's dive into what the real big news in the National Football League was yesterday. You mentioned Notre Dame, Michigan taking a lot of the headlines for the college game. But what was the reaction when the city of Chicago found out that they were getting Khalil Mack in a trade for the Oakland Raiders? Well, it's funny, Dan, because on Friday night when you were in for Jason and, and we were talking uh, to Alex Marvez and, and all the trade rumors and the Browns and everything, I mentioned the Bears as one of those kind of deep kind of sleepers in this whole thing if a trade was going to go down. And then all of a sudden yesterday morning, that news starts to hit that this is imminent and people are walking around. You see more bears sweatshirts out <laughs> and, and the jackets are out and people, you know, with the nod and the just bears. Uh, and even at last night, the concert was at Wrigley field and obviously everybody cub gear and cub fans and whatever in between the cowboy hats and, and the boots and all. Uh, but a lot of conversation and just chatter about what this means to a team that defensively was already expected to be pretty good. And coming off last year, there were a lot of positives. And then it's just the question of would the offense turn the corner? And the more you look at it, when you look at Ryan Pace, remember last year how they were just blasted for making the trade to go get Mitchell Trubisky. My analysis then, and it remains with all the the critics still standing at the door, was Pace made his bet. That's his guy. From whatever the evaluation was, he decided that was the quarterback they had to have. So making a bold move to go and grab Mac and then get the contract extension signed immediately thereafter... In hindsight, not a shock that he would be the guy to go and pull it off because he's putting all the chips to the center of the table that they can build quickly to be a contender. There were other picks involved, but essentially the Raiders got what they had been looking for, two first-round picks, and then Mack got what he was looking for, a $141 million contract from Chicago covering six years, averaging out $23.5 million, making him the highest-paid player in the NFL or defensive player in the NFL in the history of the league. And I think that the Bears' perspective is one that, to be honest, wasn't spoken about a lot on Saturday because it was a lot of head-scratching about what the heck is going on with the Oakland Raiders. And, wow, John Gruden and that front office actually pulled the trigger to get a deal done. So I think that the Bears' aspect, and when you think about it, and and it's it's not new news, it's when you look at that division, when you got to go up against Rodgers, Stafford, and now Kirk Cousins, yeah, why not get pressure on the quarterback with with one of the best in the NFL, if not the best, to do it? So that makes sense. But the Raiders' point of view, Mike, seems to be the head scratcher in all of this. And and I, I'm I'm going to make a defense for John Gruden, but only for the sake of being a devil's advocate. Because when you look at what the the moves that the Raiders make, it doesn't help that you traded a third round pick for Martavis Bryant. And he's now not going to be on your team, right? Like, like, like he, like Gruden doesn't get the benefit of the doubt now 
normally you would say, hey, first year we'll see how it plays out. But when you've already got one deal gone bad, you don't really get that leeway when it comes to this deal. And I think that when you just don't let pass rushers of this caliber become available in the National Football League, and the Raiders not only did that, they ended up letting them go. Yeah, I think one of the things that goes through to this, Dan, I guess, is you you break down the numbers and what you're looking for. And and as John Gruden a couple of weeks ago talked about how bad the defense was, even with Khalil Mack there, right? And that and that when you when you pull back away from that, when you look at the amount of money that he is making, and some have equated it to Derek Carr, and you can't pay a guy. No, I mean he's the equivalent on the other side of the ball, and that's I guess where the the problem then lies, right? If we're going to do the analysis of how brilliant it can be to bring in another player when you've got the rookie deals of a Russell Wilson or Jared Goff and you can build, you know, the flankers there, maybe go off to the to the defensive side and add a piece or two. I guess the Raiders just decided he wasn't going to be the piece that was going to be yeah. the linchpin to get it done. Now you're banking on all these draft folly I guess would be the nicest term that you can put to it. The the lack, other than the the drafting of Mac, it's been a lot of misses in Oakland for a lot of years. So unless they're banking on, hey, you know what, we've figured this out, and these first rounds we're going to get them back. For Chicago, it's a no-brainer. It's like, hey, whatever, he, we're getting a guy who's a potential Hall of Famer if this works and, and this defense works for with Vic Fangio, that this comes together properly. For the Raiders, I think they're looking at it saying, well, he wasn't. We weren't going to turn the corner defensively with him, but I think it sends the message almost that you're punting on 2018 by letting him go. There is a reason that Joe Thomas never played a playoff game during his entire career of Manning left tackle for the Cleveland Browns. It's because you don't let left tackles leave. Like even even when we knew that Thomas was was getting later on in his career, and it was it was it. We didn't know how long Joe Thomas was going to play when he retired this offseason. When you saw him lose all the weight that he had, then, okay, you're saying, all right, Joe Thomas is probably going to call it quits. But even late in his career, Mike, the Cleveland Browns were not willing to deal Joe Thomas because you just don't let go of left tackles. Right. You, don't, you don't let them hit that, that market. And that's the same thing with elite pass rushers in the NFL. Now, to make the case for John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders, even though I don't agree with it, I, I, I will I will point to this point. If you know, and, and you alluded to it, if you know that this team isn't a championship-caliber team, is it better to cut bait and try to restart than to maybe go through the charade of hoping a bunch of things go your way and maybe fall in in three years and, and you're a playoff team and make a miraculous run? Or is it better to just start right then and turn things around? Because... I brought up the L.A. Clippers last segment in our tease going to break, and knowing that the Clippers' ceiling was only so high and seeing how it ended up falling apart, wouldn't you want to go back and be like, all right, if we were going to try to do something different with this, maybe we should have done it then. And so like for John Gruden to at least be like, hey, this isn't going to work. And I'm not even saying that Khalil Mack would or wouldn't have been part of the equation. You could make an argument if you're John Gruden that Khalil Mack is our most important asset. Like you, if you trade Derek Carr, you aren't getting first two first round picks for Derek Carr, and and so like for that aspect of it, for the current build of this team, Mike, maybe Gruden just says maybe we could turn this into a playoff team like we were a couple of years ago when Derek Carr got hurt. Maybe we can salvage this or that. But in the whole, 
this is not going to be a championship football team, and that's what I'm here to win. I'm just trying to make a case for what what maybe John Gruden was thinking, and maybe it's better to cut bait when you know that this team only has this limited ceiling, and maybe there are serious questions about Derek Carr considering he just traded a fifth-round pick for A.J. McCarron. No, and, and that's that's the thing. You, it's a big chess match as you go, and Gruden was critical of his backup quarterback, so you knew there was going to be something there. Always like McCarron, go back to his film study uh, show from, from ESPN a couple of years ago when he was there, and he, he put on a, a decent show in the finale, uh, relatively speaking. It wasn't great, but you know a couple of things on tape that give you hope, I guess, if you get him into your system and, and you can work with him. But you're looking at long, long-term long versus short-term. And for the Raiders, part of that that came up a little bit, right, the battle with Mark Davis, with Reggie McKenzie, is maybe there's a cash flow question that's been there that gets solved, obviously, once they get to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is that part of the equation that that flows into this? It's, it's really an interesting question. Uh, Dynamic for John Gruden comes in with the 10, 10 year, 100 million is what's reported. He says, well, it's not that, which means he may have some other deal that makes it much higher than that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so you're looking, he's also said, if I don't perform, then fire me. So, certainly the early returns would have people saying, all right, you could send him back to the TV booth right now. Uh, but, you know, the truth will come out in the wash as we get the regular season started. But certainly on on the field, there, there's a lot to a lot of question marks, and this is gonna hang over them for a, for a while. I mean, Khalil Mack was that dynamic a player, and by all accounts, I mean, just read all the people that were inside the building. Look at the reaction to the teammates on social media as this started to percolate yesterday between Derek Carr, Bruce Irvin. Uh, go go all the way down the line. There's so many guys that responded. Like really. And then, yeah, on the other side, you had all the guys from the NFC North saying, "Oh man, now we got to deal with this guy." <laughs> so, sure. so it was it was a fun read in that regard. But certainly from the the Raiders locker room, the Derek Carr tweets were pretty telling of a guy who was pretty ticked off. Not that he's not getting you know his fair money, whatever else. He thought that that they were they were all on the same page that they had to have him back. So now he's going into the offices saying, "What the hell." It's like I need, I need that guy on the other side of the ball. Yeah, he's probably also saying, "What, what the heck?" Because AJ McCarron's now my backup quarterback. What does that mean for me? And and if you if you don't if you're John Gruden and you don't think that this ceiling of a championship can be reached with this core, then Derek Carr is a part of that, right? right. I, I mean, like he really is because he's your high priced quarterback as well. And as I said, I don't think you would get two first round picks. If you were to offer Derek Carr around to a quarterback needy team in the National Football League. So if you look at it from that perspective, at least John Gruden is like, all right, we're taking our most most highest valued piece, just like Major League Baseball teams do all the time with their when it comes to trade deadlines, if the guy's gonna become a free agent. And I know you could have kept Mac around, but you're still gonna have to pay him to be able to get the pieces that you need. It's what the Raiders did. I don't I, I don't agree with that. I'm not trying to sit on the fence. The point being sure. is you can make a devil's advocate argument about why this actually was a good deal for the for the Oakland Raiders and why John Gruden's thought process throughout it. It's just tough to trade a pass rusher who's at the top of his game because they just aren't available in the NFL. You want the guy slinging the rock and the other guy trying to chase him down. Reminder, Fox Sports Sunday is brought to you by Lowe's. Pros in the know start with Lowe's and save 5% on eligible purchases. 
every day when made with a Lowe's business credit account. That's 5% savings in-store and online. Subject to credit approval, cannot be combined with other credit offers, and exclusions apply. See the store for details in the U.S. only. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Nick Saban's postgame rant made more headlines than even the Crimson Tide's win over Louisville. You'll hear from the head coach after Isaac Lohenkron gives us the latest of what's happening in college football. Hello, Isaac. Good morning, Dan and Michael. And in college football on Saturday night, yes, Mr. Happy Pants' number one Alabama Crimson Tide defeated Louisville 51-14. to Number 12, Notre Dame held off 14th-ranked Michigan 24-17. to Cincinnati spoiled Chip Kelly's debut with a 26-17 victory at UCLA. But hey, at least he got to have a debut. Not so for Scott Frost as Nebraska's game with Akron was canceled because of severe thunderstorms in the NFL. Oh, yes, it was not a dream, Michael. Khalil Mack has reported to the Chicago Bears, and Bears. here was his message to you and other Bears fans just a short time ago. What's going on, Bears fans? Khalil Mack here. And the place to be, man. They got me up in Chi-Town, man. It's time to get to work. I can't wait. I'm excited for this opportunity, man. And bad out. And on Saturday night, the Bears and Mack agreed to an extension for reported six years and a record $141 million. 49ers running back Jarek McKinnon tore his ACL on the last play of practice Saturday. He's expected to be out for the season. And in Major League Baseball Saturday night, the Dodgers trailed the Diamondbacks 2-0 in the bottom of the eighth with two on and Matt Kemp at the plate. And the pitch on the way. Breaking ball. Left center field. This ball is back and it is gone. Matt Kemp connects for his 19th home run of the season and the Dodgers have the lead. Rick Monday the call on AM570 LA Sports as the Dodgers won it 3-2 to two, so the Dodgers and Diamondbacks are tied for first place in the National League West. Back to Dan Beyer and the giddy Michael Harmon. It is Fox Sports Sunday. Thank you very much Isaac. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part Figuring out which way is easier. Alabama made it look easy last night as the top-ranked team in college football routed Louisville 51-14. to Yeah, Tua was great. Jalen Hurts played. But there was so much more of what happened last night after the game. If you missed it, speaking with ABC's Maria Taylor, this was Alabama head coach Nick Saban. Coach, everyone had questions about who was going to start at quarterback when this game started. What answers did you have about your quarterbacks after watching both of them play tonight? Well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. I think both guys can help our team. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to, so quit asking. Okay. Yeah! So the, Take that. Uh, so that so that was Nick Saban. And all throughout Twitter, you're you're going to you're going to see a defense um for Maria Taylor. She asked a perfectly fine question, and we I, I believe we're on the same side of that. The, the question was was perfectly fair. In fact, I even thought that she was like, What what did you find out about the quarterbacks? I think that's pretty open ended and for Nick Saban and his reaction to it, Mike, seemed a little out of line. But isn't this Nick Saban understanding the moment and understanding the time to maybe grandstand a bit and understand that now for the next 10 or 12 or 13 weeks or 20 weeks for college football, that if you're a reporter at Alabama and you're going to ask a question about the quarterbacks, you may get this. Doesn't that get the kind of sense of the feel of like Nick Saban now drawing the line in the sand of saying, 
all right, I dare you to go ask me about this again. Wants to bark out, asked and answered. I, You know, this spoke to me to some degree of, all right, write about this. Tell me how much of a jerk I am, how much you hate me, and let that be the 800 words. Talk about the game if you feel like it, but leave the quarterbacks alone. This Put it on me. Put it on Big Bad Nick and how I'm such a jerk to the media. And, and also sending the locker room the message of, you know what, I believe in my guys. Right, hurts because of the transfer rules. There's three more appearances that he can make over the course of the year, and, and I think we all believe that Tonga Vailoa, if or Tagavailoa, no, tongue, wanna... no, Tonga was last night. That was the that all was right, the so Tonga Vailoa. The yeah, there, see, there you well, go. That, that's right. what Chris Fowler and and Herb Street and everybody were saying. Yep. All right, so we, we've adopted that. So that's good. But it's the the idea that I think we all believe uh, that he is the guy, and that hurts. We'll get his spots at least short term, but ultimately it's to his team. But you, you look at Nick Saban's reaction here, and unfortunately she was the one that had to bear the brunt of it. So, you know, perhaps through some back channels and PR efforts, they, they make good with, with Maria. But the, the fact of the matter is I think he was just taking it on. I've got the big stage. Everybody's watching. So let's just put it out there once and for all. Because he'd been asked about it on Dan Patrick's show this week on the network. Been, he'd had a conversation with Fowler a couple of days ago. I mean, you just go on down the line. I mean, it's certainly something that's the, the elephant in the room. That's going to be asked every week until there's only one quarterback on on the depth chart. So a little bit a little bit of the gamesmanship continues there. But I, I think for, for Nick Saban it's that, you know, come at me. Try to try to take me down. Well, he didn't go, I'm a man, I'm forty or anything, but you know, he that's kind of the line in the sand. And and Maria Taylor did did a fine job. And I, I want to play this again because there's there's something that that, that we've discovered about this. It's it is it is Mount Nick. Okay. This is this is this is Mount Sabin, if you will. Listen to how it starts to bubble and then erupts. Okay, this is this is the interview again. Listen, to all of a sudden you think things are great, and then all of a sudden it bubbles, and then you have Mount Sabin erupting. Take a listen to the interview again. Coach, everyone had questions about who was going to start at quarterback when this game started. What answers did you have about your quarterbacks after watching both of them play tonight? Well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. I think both guys can help our team. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to, so quit asking. Okay, <laughs> like halfway through it, you're like, oh, everything's dandy, everything's great. And then all of a sudden it starts to turn. Like the more he starts to talk, the more he starts to, to hear himself and what he's saying, it erupts. And, Mike, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of one of the greatest rants in sports history. The late Danny Green, then the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> after the game against the Chicago Bears. We hear so much about, um, you know, they were who we thought they were. And that's all we hear nowadays. But what you don't remember is how this brewed. Yes. Like, it was <laughs> yes. normal. Take a listen to the actual exchange, what, 12 years ago when Danny Green, the late Danny Green, went off after a loss to the Chicago Bears. Coach, uh, four picks against Grossman and two fumbles. What do you see about the Bears? Uh, we shut them down that way. No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just uh, – we, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, they're what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's uh -oh. bull Here comes the, the we eruption. We played them in the third game. Everybody yeah. played three quarters. Bubbling. The Bears are who we thought they were.
And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. Full explosion. Yeah. There it is. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. There it is. Like, it was brewing. Like, you know, he's like, uh, well, yeah. And, and then all of a sudden Wait it for builds. It. Wait it's for it. building. Boom. It's building. And then the top blows off. And that's, it wasn't to the grand scale of Denny Green, but it's, it's in a similar fashion of just of hearing it and building and building and building. And then, all right. Then, then, then just all heck breaks loose. Well, I'm going to answer the question. And then I'm going to pause and say, well, no, I have an opportunity here. And, you know, it really kind of ticks me off. And away he goes. So, yes, the late Denny Green giving us one of uh, the great rants of our our recent memory. Mount Saban alongside Mount Green there in the world of coaching blowups in postgame interviews. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. If you ever missed the show, don't worry about it. Just go to iTunes, subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends, and download the show every single week. If you can't hear it on your local station, you can find it on the iHeartRadio app and Sirius XM Channel 83. You can find Mike on Twitter at... Swollen Dome. And I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox as we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Coming up next, some drama in Major League Baseball as the races for the postseason get a little bit tighter. We explain next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday at Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. The phone number is 877-99 on Fox. It's 877-996-6369. Find us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Mike, they can get you at? Find me over at Swollen Dome. Simple enough. Uh, Doc Diggler tweets in, as a Rams fan, I would be so mad if the Rams traded Aaron Donald instead of signing him. I'm also happy the Rams play the Raiders week one, albeit a road game. That is the <laughs> exact feeling that all Raiders have. They are very mad. He used a different word. I figured I'd clean it up for the likes of one Isaac Lowenkron, who is here to get us caught up to date of what happened while you were sleeping last night. Good morning, Isaac. Hello, Dan. Hello, Michael. It was showdown time in the National League West on Saturday night at Dodger Stadium. Game three of a four-game series between the Dodgers and Diamondbacks. Arizona won the first one. Dodgers winning game two on Friday, 3-2. to two. And then last night, we take you to the bottom of the eighth inning. The Diamondbacks leading the Dodgers 2 to nothing, but the Dodgers with two men on base. Matt Kemp at the plate, and Rick Monday at the AM570 LA Sports Microphone. Bradley, a deep breath, lets it out, and the pitch on the way. Breaking ball, left center field. This ball is back, and it is gone! Matt Kemp on a 1-2 pitch connects for his 19th home run of the season, and the Dodgers have the lead. And a sellout crowd on their feet at Dodgers Stadium. And wow! They would eventually have a 3-2 victory over the Diamondbacks. So going into the series finale today, the Dodgers and Diamondbacks are all even, dead even for first place in the National League West. You know, you know, Brent Musburger was always great at saying, mark it down, you know, at, at a certain point in a game. This is a mark it down if the Dodgers end up going on a run because not only was it a come-from-behind victory last night that we just heard, not only was it against the division rival that you just pulled even with, it was also on a night where you felt maybe you squandered a Clayton Kershaw start 
and it was from the guy who's been the greatest comeback story in Major League Baseball this season in Matt Kemp. So all of that into one, this is a perfect Brent Musburger mark it down. September 1st, Dodger Stadium, When the if the Dodgers go on a run into the postseason. Well, and one of the big things here for Matt Kemp, a monster hit because – He's struggled, right? We've watched the batting average sink. The power has not been there. He'd had one home run since July 22nd before last night. So uh, a big weekend for them. They they get active at the waiver trade deadline, and then you have this big series, and they've been running well, right? They had two sweeps coming into this one. See if they can finish it off today. Also in the National League West on Saturday night, the Padres were hosting the Rockies at Petco Park, but the Padres' scheduled beach hat giveaway for their fans had to be halted because of the Beatles. <laughs> Beatles, during the distribution of the beach hats, it was discovered that some packaging contained what independent experts believed was Grain beetles. The Padres said they immediately ceased distribution and switched to rain checks for all fans. They said we have been advised that grain beetles pose no health risks to humans, but we decided to act out of an abundance of caution for our fans. One other note, unfortunately, the independent experts determined that watching the Padres' offense does pose health risks (laughs) to their fans. Uh, Not too bad, not too bad. Hey, how about how, hey? Let's get lice at the ball game. You know, I know it's not the, I know Yay. it's not the same thing, but so it's a good oh. giveaway uh, to go back to school. Hey, welcome back, kids. By the way, I think every child, every child in America, should have to go through what it's like to have a lice scare at, at your school. It is, oh my goodness, like it is, it is something else. We had a couple growing up. It was, it was, the, it was the worst. Dan, have a couple of daughters with long hair and then tell me about that. Oh, goodness. My goodness. I still remember the chill that would go down my spine when the inspector with the uh, tongue depressor thingy, like the school nurse, would show up in the locker room right before P.E. because we never knew it was coming, and half of us didn't know what, like, actual lice was anyway. I still remember the dread when they would go one by one because it was so public. It's not like one person would come into an (laughs) office. It would be like in front of everybody. Uh, You're good. You're the lice kids. Oh, uh, amazing. Uh, Just a heads up, guys, just so you know, uh, this Saturday, I believe, at Miller Park in Milwaukee, Grease Night. Yes. Oh, how about that? Yes. 40th anniversary of the movie, or are they giving away Grease? uh, uh, It's Grease Night. You get a pink lady shirt and a T-Bird shirt, if you will. Oh, we'll have to get some of that. Yeah, as they take on the Giants. How about that? Yeah, today I'm going over to uh, Guaranteed Raid Field, where they're going to give away the Hawk Harrelson nesting doll. Oh, that's right. Celebrating his time as a player, as a front office man, and of course as a broadcaster. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Isaac. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. The Eagles have finally made up their mind, but it is is it the right decision? We'll tell you next. Rolling along on this Labor Day weekend, so glad to have you with us as we are getting closer and closer to the start of the 2018 NFL regular season. But this preseason, Mike, has given us enough headlines to to maybe last an entire season. I mean, considering the ups and downs with all the rookie quarterbacks, the the great season that has been hard knocks with the Cleveland Browns, the Aaron Donald holdout with the Rams, the Earl Thomas holdout with the Seahawks, and now the Khalil Mack trade. 
The NFL is like, hey, NBA, all right, you're going to step aside. You were grabbing all the offseason highlights this summer, all the headlines. The NFL stepping it up in the preseason as we ramp up towards another expected great regular season in the NFL. All the stars return, and we're talking about major cash because what do we do in the NBA after the champion is crowned? We hand out hundreds of millions of dollars in new contracts, and for the NFL said, hey, our guys get paid too, and we're starting to trend towards more guaranteed dollars for your top-notch performers. So uh, it's good to see all of the stories, or at least most of them, are, are now contained within either the business meetings or the white lines that we're not back in the disciplinary office too often uh, any longer and that we're, we're just getting back to games and celebrating the return of football. You know, Mike, I, I'm just I'm going to say this because I just mentioned it. And, and again, it's a it's a message to an association, an organization that I think needs to be sent. And it's this. NBA, just stay away. Just stay away for a while. Just I, I know you've got training camps coming up in a couple of weeks. Just stay away. This is a this is a full football time. There was a time, Mike, when we never had to worry about anybody trying to creep in with their basketball. We were we were set with football and and baseball and getting set for the pennant races around this time of year. Basketball, just stay away for a little bit. Just 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 <laughs> just hold off. Just get away. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to see you. We're gonna have nine months of you anyway. We're gonna be talking about you nonstop during those nine months, and then the next month for ten months because of free agency. Just stay away right now. I want to focus on the gridiron and maybe some pennant races in baseball. Is that is that too much to ask for? Yeah, just stare out the window for five minutes. Someone will come past waving something, having LeBron James face on you. Oh, jeez. Uh, because we are in Los Angeles, Dan. I mean, we were talking about it here. You know, as you're, you're meeting up with friends and family, and and people are asking, it's like, all right, you know, when when what in Los Angeles? What's what's the big thing pushing? Right? You, you look at USC names its new quarterback. Okay. UCLA with Chip Kelly, nah, fine. Uh, go on down. Even the even the Rams. Okay, Aaron Donald gets his money, and there's some cons- you know speculation about what they're going to be. The follow up to last year's greatness with Sean McVay. The Chargers have people a little bit jacked up, but it's still dominated. Like it's still LeBron talk. It's still you know Luell Dang getting the buyout had more headlines than a lot of the college football stuff because it's like, well, that money's freed. Now, now they've finally gotten rid of this this albatross. Now what happens? You know, well, what, and people start getting excited about that more so, I think, than a lot of the football that's about to play. Well, I I I, I was not one of them. I I know that the bottom scrolls put now frees up another max contract for 2019. Just stay away, hoops. Just stay <laughs> away for a little bit, please. We're gonna have enough of you in September for later in September and in October and all the way to June and into July. Just stay away. We need a break. We need a breather. This is this is pigskin time. This is football time. This is baseball pennant race time. This is a time to get ready for the NFL regular season. Basketball, just stay away right now. This I is like the way you work that day. Hey, seriously, just just, just stop with it, hoops. Just stop. <laughs> we are. That, I love the excitement. <laughs> Got to do it. Got to do it. Passion. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Heck, we got a game that counts in the NFL on Thursday. Let's serve up some hot takes and sausage. Yeah, right now. Oh, this one. I haven't heard this one in a little while. <laughs> This is where Ryan Dennis, our executive producer, gives Mike and myself a topic. 
We debate, and Ryan gets to pick a winner. Round one went to Mike Harmon, so he is up one nothing. Sam Kinsley, our technical producer. Uh, guys, feel free to pub the Twitter handles while you can. We'll start out with our EP, Ryan Dennis, first. That would be at GemStateRyan would be the Twitter handle to follow. All right, Sam. You can you can find me at IowaSam99. Here's here's the request. Let's get let's get Ryan Dennis's followers not as a football jersey number. That's all I ask. So that means we need triple digits. We've got it at 71. We just need to increase it a little bit. We need to get it above that. We need to get it. you don't see any 100s on a football field. Let's get it past a football jersey number and we'll be good to go. Sounds like a good deal, Ryan. Yeah, I love it. Unless the XFL picks up triple digits or something, I think we're nicely done. Let's aim for it. Yeah, that's twenty twenty. Yeah, we've got time. All right, what's the topic today? Yeah, so speaking of the Falcons and the Eagles coming up this Thursday, Nick Foles, I guess, as I don't know if Doug Peterson said it or not, but apparently they're going with Nick Foles starting Week One. So really, the question is if. Past week one, if they have to continue starting falls, let's say another, you know, through week two, week three, should the Eagles be, or I guess Eagles fans, should they be worried about this upcoming season as defending champs, or is it just a matter of time before Wentz comes in and uh, starts doing what he was doing last year on a potential MVP caliber run? Dan? I'm not going to be narrowed by your choices, but I will use them as part of my argument. There is reason to worry. There's a Super Bowl hangover. There is... When you haven't been there before and been Super Bowl champions, that is like the Philadelphia Eagles, you have to expect that there is something that is going to be different the next year. And let's be honest, this offseason hasn't been spectacular, specifically when you look at the health. Carson Wentz isn't ready. Alshon Jeffrey is out. Nick Foles hasn't been great. There are issues with the Philadelphia Eagles, and it is of concern. We have talked about this for a while. Nick Foles should start week one just because it didn't seem like Carson Wentz was ready. But the Eagles have a – they made the right decision in starting Nick Foles for this game Thursday. But the point is is they are – things aren't going to be as easy for the Philadelphia Eagles as maybe they were in that playoff run. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs, and it isn't worth risking Carson Wentz just to try to get that push to try to repeat – Rather have Carson Wentz, obviously, for the next 10 years than maybe for the first couple of games of this season. Well, that's one of the the big points made by all the surgeons, everybody else saying, hey, let's 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 pause here. Let's make sure that we we do this right so that when he's ready to go, that he's ready. And I know there's a lot of concern about Nick Foles' production or lack thereof in the preseason. We chronicled the drive log and and by the end of it you wanted to make sure you had a bucket nearby because you wanted to vomit uh it read so poorly but <laughs> the fact of the matter is it's the preseason and it, and it means nothing it goes into the ether uh as we start the regular season and we'll find out pretty quickly whether nick Foles can get get back into playoff rhythm or if there is something that that takes some time. It's the marathon, not a sprint. That's the beauty of it. As Dan and I and everybody around celebrates the return of football, recognizing that this isn't college football where one loss dooms you. This isn't the, all right, I have to be perfect every game hereafter because I drop one early on. No, you can drop one to the Falcons. Do you want to do some? No. Obviously, you want to come out and de- defend your Super Bowl title and get off against a, a would-be contender 
with a victory. But the reality is you're trying to find your way post-Super Bowl with some of the injuries as noted when you look at Jeffrey and Wentz and push from there. So no panic. We'll wait until October for that. Yeah, well, as the uh, as the resident Eagles fanboy, I guess, around Fox Sports Radio, I'm kind of taking it as a more I'll I'll get worried when there's really a you know a time to be worried. Believe it when I see it, kind of thing. The Eagles, I would say, probably the the easiest portion of their schedule is the beginning of the year, and then at week five it turns into a complete gauntlet. So I, you know, with Dan, I agree. Like, why risk the future of your franchise by bringing him back too soon? You know, wait it out for a few weeks. Let's say they get off to a bad start. Maybe you can turn things around once Wentz comes back in. But things are not going to be easy for the Eagles this year. Dan, I got to go with you on that one. Oh, oddly enough, we got a tight one going into the final round of hot takes and sausage. Our uh, final one, really, of 2018, because with the fantasy show starting next week, we'll get Harmon's hot plays and cold sores week in and week out of the fantasy season. So our last serving of hot takes and sausage will be the it will be next hour, really, of 2018, because then we go a different direction when the NFL regular season comes around. Well, then we just start fighting, Dan. Uh, <laughs> no. we just we, we In between each... Uh, well, I mean, during the show, who knows? Maybe there'll, there'll be some bonus coverage of, of hot takes and sausage because the hot takes don't start from the Geico studios. And reminder, there's a quick way you can save money. You can switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. I am so curious to see if the Eagles' defensive line, because when you look at what they did last year in that in that playoff run, and specifically against the Patriots and, and against the Minnesota Vikings, so much was made about Nick Foles. They had a four-headed monster in the backfield last year. A lot of it was was offensively, what they did on offense. But they had a, have a really good defensive line, and that's the one thing that could really stabilize Philadelphia. I'm just not sure it's it, it's there. There were there were pieces that are that are missing from last year's defense, but really not up front. So you've got guys coming back, and and Mike, that's the one thing I guess if you're an Eagles fan is. That I don't think any many people are really talking about because we do focus on the offense, we do focus on the quarterback position. If if they get enough play in in strong enough play from their defensive line, which is good, I mean they really are. Then that could stabilize Philadelphia early on and maybe help negate the absence of one Carson Wentz and maybe negate some of the ups and downs we've seen from Nick Foles in this preseason. Yeah, I think that's when you when you're looking at it, Dan the. Defensive line, when you got Nada and, and Cox helping to lead things, veteran guys who know how to get their work done. I mean, eventually Nada's going to age, and, and we're going to have, you know, he's always been a fan favorite. But you, you look at the the way the, this team is built, it's not for Nick Foles to put up 30 points a game, mm-hmm. right? They, what you saw against the – they had to do it a couple times, and certainly he was up to the task. But it, you're you're hopeful to get more to a ground control. So yeah. I, I think I'm curious to see you know how healthy Ajayi is and how they work this multi-pronged approach out of the backfield because you can't count on Alshon Jeffrey. And we've been talking about a lot, a lot for fantasy purposes and for the overall just analysis. His catch rate was under 50% last year. 
It was wow. saved by the touchdowns, mm-hmm. and, and he was great in the red zone. So they're hopeful they get that back you know, when he gets back before he can get into full swing. But he wasn't the operational efficiency that he was made out to be when you just look at catches and, and touchdowns and, and everything else. It looked much better uh, in a quick write-up of the, the season than it really was on a game-to-game basis. So when we look at the the outside, you know, Aguilar, Mike Wallace, and are you going to get enough production there? You know you've got too deep at tight end uh, with Gader coming in next to to Ertz. So you've got players that can get it done, but, you know, for the, the quarterback position, that's what's going to rule the world, right? Because Nick Foles vanquished Tom Brady like it was a wrestling match. <laughs> Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, uh, now Michael Bennett added to that, expected to get pressure on the quarterback as well. Chris Long, obviously the veteran. That's really whose shoulders it's going to be on for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Get Mike on Twitter at Swollen Dome. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. There could be some rookie quarterbacks starting in week one in the NFL. Is that a good idea? We ask an NFL insider next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Beyer. He's Mike Carmen. So glad to have you with us. You can always catch this show on the iHeartRadio app, Sirius XM Channel 83, and your local station. And find the show on iTunes to subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends and download the show every single week. If you want to reach us on Twitter, simple. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Mike, they can get you at... Find me over at Swollen Dome. As simple enough, Mike will also give you the fallout from the final cuts in the NFL fantasy angles because a lot of a lot of movement and in, in, uh, some, I was going to say movers and shakers, but it's not really the case considering the teams are the ones that are that are making these moves and these cutdowns, but they could affect your fantasy. Plus some injury news, we'll have that in about 12 minutes. No matter what, Mike, I think the lesson is this. You can never have your fantasy draft too late. That's like, true. Like, like, you could have it too early, and I think that there are some fantasy owners who are dealing with that now, but we'll help you try to correct the mistakes if you've already had the draft in the books. Hey, it happens. you got to get the guys together at some point, just like us. Last weekend was our weekend. I know that there are some owners who are already scratching their heads. Well, that's just it. Sometimes you have to uh, get the 10 or 12 men and women assembled, however that comes to be. Uh, and as many, you you want critical mass in person, right? Because the smack yeah. talking is so much better there than trying to to do dramatic tweet reads or, or whatever you're doing, text messages. So, you know, there, there's a lot of variance to the way people put their leagues together, but certainly... Uh, cut down day ha- has some effects, but there was one injury that cut through all of the trade talk and-, and big contracts to make some noise in the fantasy land. He covers the NFL for the Bleacher Report. We bring in our good friend Jason Cole. And Jason, first of all, happy Labor Day weekend. And I want to let you know, Mike Harmon not only is in his hometown of Chicago, is on three and a half hours of sleep, but endured a Luke Bryant concert last night That's right. at Wrigley Field uh, that had like an hour and a half rain delay. So, so yeah, so so did Harmon they introduce is- Khalil Mack? <laughs> no, I mean they they did give a shout out to Pat Fitzgerald of the one and Northwestern Wildcats, but no, no, no Khalil Mack love. A lot of Cubs love, and since I'm a White Sox fan, well, you know, you you already knew what you were getting walking into Wrigley. Yeah, I can't imagine that you'd get a lot of pale hose love. Down that would have been a, a good look, <laughs> a tr- full troll. Yeah, I mean, the, the well, I'm going to leave that one. <laughs> hey, hey <laughs> let's, let's stay with Chicago, because Mike and I touched on it off the start. So much is being made about 
what are the Raiders doing? What is John Gruden doing this? Or, uh, this and that and everything. What about what does this do for the Chicago Bears now that they've got Khalil Mack on their team? Well, I think yeah. Depend. I mean, look. Obviously, Trubisky's a huge X factor still, but that defense, you know, with with Floyd and you know Roquan Smith and some of the other guys that they have there, I mean, that's a legit defense that you can contend with. You know, playoff spot. The up the the difference is you score enough points because the regular season is all about scoring points in the NFL. So they still got to get a lot out of Trubisky and that offense, but. Man, they just they they just signed a guy who's a Hall of Fame caliber player. Now it's still early in his career, and this could go you know a lot of different ways. But everything that he's done so far says he's on a Hall of Fame track. And I'll trade two first round picks for that. You know whether it works or not, that's a whole different thing. There's a lot that goes into it. But this was a pretty good value trade, even with the contract. I hear everybody go, "Oh, two first round picks and." We could get Nick Bosa in two years. You know, it's like, how much longer are you going to wait if you're the Raiders? Like, you got a good team, and you're, you're, you're you want to win now. I mean, I think the Bears is looking at this, going, we got an opportunity, and with you know, depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers, we might have the best quarterback in the division pretty soon. Let's let's build up now and take advantage of it now. Well, and that's the fun part of it here being in Chicago is everybody gives uh, the nodding, uh, you know, nod of the head and says Bears uh, as they walk past you. Uh, but the better story is in the losing locker room, and you laughed as the but question don't they do was that being posed. Sort of the other way, I mean, don't they like just it's sort of like when I when I'm in the Atlanta airport and I hear people go War Eagle, War Eagle, War Eagle, you know, like all the Auburn fans who are there. I'm like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, you're not Alabama. Like you're, you're. <laughs> uh, you know, you got you hung, hold on to hope. I know it was a dangerous thing and parts of Shawshank. Carmen, but... you sound so sleepy right now. It's unbelievable. No, like, I, never I don't. Heard you, like, where, where is the energy, man? Do you want me to like, yell at you? I know you do radio like eight, 18 days a week. You know, I, I realize <laughs> you do that much. Because you you're like everybody. You're just anything for a dollar, right? Like, uh, oh, you know, come what, on what, now. <laughs> Oh, come nah, that on was, now. That was like, just that wasn't, hateful. A deni- that wasn't a denial. Okay, that wasn't a no, I don't. That was, oh, come on now. Don't make fun of me for it. No, no, no. Hey, <laughs> commerce commerce works. You right? I mean, we, we all do. You do what you got to do to keep moving along, Jason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so you want to know about Gruden and what the heck is going on with him? Yeah, exactly. Is Reggie McKenzie an empty suit at this point? Oh, absolutely. Reggie was an empty suit as soon as Gruden signed that contract. I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean... Reggie's got no say over what happens. Now, I don't know. I ultimately want to know, is this a is this a Gruden decision or is this a money decision? And a lot of people are, you know, supposing one or the other, or they're saying it's a little bit of both. But, look, you get very few opportunities to have star players like this. You, you keep guys like this. You just absolutely have to do that, and you got to pay them when you get guys who can stir the drink, like a guy like Khalil Mack. And I just think that Gruden's sort of like all these other coaches. I saw it with Jimmy Johnson. I've seen it with a lot of guys who think it's my way or the highway. Saban was the same way. Belichick to a certain extent. You know, they're great coaches and all. But sometimes, you know, like I, when I saw Jimmy in Miami and I watched that, it was like Jimmy became a caricature of himself. <laughs> and he didn't have the energy to do it. And Gruden, I think, is like, ah, I'm going to come in and get rid of these guys. And I just think back to, I had a conversation with Gruden in March about, 
I have this idea about how to improve offensive line play around the league. And it, yeah, the idea is not so important, but the fact that I was talking to Gruden, and I said, well, what do you do about this? And, and make sure that your producer's ready in case I screw this up and throw in a couple of Grudenisms that shouldn't go for the FCC. But, you know, he comes <laughs> out and basically says, you know you, how you want to fix the offensive line problem in this freaking league. You've got to do this, and we've got to get back to hitting and get, change this CBA, and then we got to get back to smashing people during practice and all this. And, you know, just this old-school mentality, right? Uh, we got to start hitting, and we can't worry about this concussion stuff anymore. And I'm like, okay. And I listen to him, and I listen to him. And finally, when he gets done with his little soliloquy, I say, that's great, John, um, but are you going to pay for it in the CBA? Like, because if you're not get practice time, you're going to have to give a bigger percentage to the players, right? And he like looks at me like I just, you know, <laughs> blew his mind. <laughs> yeah, like I blew his mind. Yeah. Like, what do you mean pay for it? I go, if you want to get more practice time, you have to pay the players more. That's how this works. Okay, do you not get that? And it was like, uh, yeah, he. I think I was, you know, like quoting Socrates, <laughs> and and he just like he he didn't. I mean. And he's just, sometimes football coaches just get too meathead philosophy for their own good, and they don't understand it's a different league, it's a different time, you have to do things differently to make this all work. And Gruden's, like, thinking, oh, I can just coach my way around a Hall of Fame player. No, you can't. That's your best defensive player, that's your best pass, pass rusher. On a team that was terrible last year in the pass rush, I mean, like, He's a great pass rusher, and they still finished like 25th in the league in sacks. Um, so now you're going to go to that. Basically, they're going to be one of the three, two or three worst teams in the league in pass rush. Um, enjoy winning all those 42-35 games. You know, like that's yeah. what you're going to have to play. So, John Gruden, enjoy this. You've now become a basketball coach. Jason Cole of the Bleacher Report joining us, talking NFL at Fox Sports Sunday. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. How, how did he get out of touch was it just? I mean, oh, despite being connected to the game, guys, I mean, guys start to believe their own hype. They just really do. They, 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 like, you know, look, football coaches have a really strong god complex. Like, I, you know, give me that guy, I can make him into something special. I mean, you know, it's like when when Don Shula drafted Jackie Ship, the linebacker out of Oklahoma. This goes way, way back. And so they bring out the film, and oh, wow, watch him run. He ran like a 4 440 or something for a linebacker. Dude couldn't play. Just couldn't play. Nothing. Had no instincts. Didn't know how to play. But, but Shula believed that if you gave him any piece of clay, he could turn it into, you know, mm-hmm. you know this, this piece of art. And it's like, no, you can't. Um, you got to have guys who learn how to play football first. It's like John Elway says all the time. He goes, look, the players are 80% of the game. And sometimes great coaches, they start to believe, oh, yeah, I can, I can. Yes, no, you really can't. You really need players first. So that's where I think Gruden's gone wrong. I think Gruden has always wanted way more control than he really deserved to ever have. He did this in Tampa. That's why he ran that team. Now. And I think somebody just ran a stat out of one of the Philadelphia reporters said, they already have the oldest they already have the oldest roster in the NFL because Gruden has no patience for teaching people. All right, he, he, go right. back to all wow. the quarterbacks. Here. He has he has 
no patience for going over the first 200 pages of the playbook. He wants a guy who's older. It was every one of his quarterbacks. This is a great story that um, Rich McKay um, you know, and Tim Ruskell told me when they drafted Chris Sims. So they get draft Chris Sims, I think, as the last pick of the second round, last pick of the third round, whatever year. It was good value. Was, not that Chris was a great quarterback, but it, you know, it was a good value for a guy who had a lot of physical skill, right? But they didn't consult with Gruden first. And so Gruden comes and stomps on the door, you know, just pounds on the door, opens the door, and comes in and goes, don't you ever take a quarterback without consulting me first. You know, and, and <laughs> it starts ripping him. And it's like, who are you? Right? So he made Barry Sims during his career, um, and, and because he wants to play all these older guys who are terrible. Because he doesn't want to teach Sims the first 200 pages of the playbook. He just wants to have this advanced conversation about, oh, if we run this motion with the guy, you know, and all this other stuff. It's like, hey, how about teach football? Like, the one thing I admire about Belichick, the, the most impressive thing about Belichick, and people don't really get this, is he starts at point A every offseason and teaches everything over and over and over again. He doesn't start at, oh, all these guys remember, so we can start off at, you know, G, right? Mm-hmm. No, he goes all the way back to part A and says, okay, this is what we do. We're going to install this, install this, install this, and does it progressively. And which takes amazing patience and amazing teaching ability and amazing foresight to understand that your roster changes so much every year that if you don't go back to, to point A, within a couple of years, you're going to have a lot of guys who don't understand the basics of, how, of what you're trying to accomplish. And Gruden's incapable of that, in my view. Now, maybe he'll change. Who knows? And he'll, he may win because of force of, you know, he is a, look, he's a really, really smart coach. So it's not, I'm not trying to, call him what he's not but he has faults and i think some of those faults are really starting to show up very quickly in oakland he covers the nfl for the bleacher report you can find him on twitter at jason cole 62 our good friend jason cole checking in before the start of the nfl regular season appreciate it jason good luck this season all right guys be good appreciate it man right. love that jack right. nicholson you got going for gruden that's good <laughs> well yeah it's, it's the best i can do i just i, I got nothing better so. <laughs> no hey you know you work on it and then uh we'll come back to jason's impressions during the week no don't no don't <laughs> have me like that that jerry jones is just god awful it's just like god awful all right we're gonna work to later. extricate it see you buddy uh, this is fox sports <laughs> sunday he's mike carmen i'm dan byer coming to you live from the geico fox sports radio studios what do you do if you've already drafted Jarek McKinnon in your fantasy league? Well, don't fear. Mike Harmon is here to save the day. After Isaac Lohenkron gives us the latest of what's happening in the world of sports. Hello, Isaac. Hello, Dan. And Michael got some amazing audio coming up here that you won't hear anywhere else. In college football on Saturday night, top-ranked Alabama defeated Louisville 51-14. to Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa both played at quarterback, and it was Tagovailoa who stole the show, completing 12 of 16 for 227 with two touchdown passes. After the game, Alabama head coach Nick Saban was asked a perfectly appropriate question about the quarterback situation and underwent a rather incredible transformation. Listen. Coach, everyone had questions about who was going to start at quarterback when this game started. What answers did you have about your quarterbacks after watching both of them play tonight? Well, I still like both guys. I think both guys are good players. I think both guys can help our team. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation <laughs> his body chemistry. And now... Nick Saban. Grows angry or outraged. A 
startling metamorphosis occurs. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to, so quit asking. The creature is driven by rage. <laughs> <laughs> Truly incredible. Elsewhere, number 12, Notre Dame held off 14th-ranked Michigan 24-17. Cincinnati spoiled Chip Kelly's debut with the 26-17 victory over UCLA at the Rose Bowl. Scott Frost didn't even get to have a debut. Nebraska's game with Akram canceled because of severe thunderstorms. NFL Saturday night, the Chicago Bears agreed on an extension with Khalil Mack for reported six years and a record $141 million. 49ers running back Jarek McKinnon tore his ACL on the last play of practice Saturday. He's expected to be out for the season. Finally, in baseball Saturday night, a dramatic three-run home run by Matt Kemp in the bottom of the eighth gave the Dodgers a 3-2 win over the Diamondbacks, so the Dodgers and D-backs now tied for first place in the National League West. Dan and Michael, back to you. Thank you very much, Isaac. It is Fox Sports Sunday. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Isaac mentioned the Jarek McKinnon injury. The 49ers running back loss for the season with a torn ACL. If you have Jarek McKinnon in your fantasy lineup, Mike Harmon, what the heck do you do right now? Well, you uh, wonder why punt. you drafted him. <laughs> well, you can always punt. Yeah, that is usually my standard response in this regard. Uh, but you do have some options there. We had talked about Matt Breida as a sleeper, wondering about the durability and how they'd be able to use McKinnon once the season got started. I just didn't think we'd have to do that in week one. And here we are where you've got to shift things up. You've got Alfred Morris there as well, more a plotter, not a guy who's going to be electrifying, but still probably going to see a decent number of touches. I would suspect you got an equal, equal, uh, equitable. There you go. I was equitable. going equal, and then equitable sounded better, and so you know you end up uh, merging those two. Uh, but the equitable split there, at least to get things started for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo with with Breida, I think a little more opportunity to catch the ball out of the backfield, which is why they paid a king's ransom to begin and to begin with. So I think that's one of the things that plays out. But if you've got to go to the waiver wire, and and for those that that can't pick up one of those alternates. They're in San Francisco, and right now you just got a ridiculous number of ads going on in the market for for Brita as we go through. I mean, James Conner is going to play a role for Pittsburgh, at least early on, probably not uh, not going to have Le'Veon Bell take on 100% of the workload given the amount of time he's missed. So I suspect you've got a little bit of an opportunity there uh, in terms of your drafts. You look at Cleveland with the two-headed monster, expecting Nick Chubb to see some work behind Carlos Hyde. Uh, and then, obviously, you know we're still waiting to see who emerges as the leader in the clubhouse for Indianapolis. We've talked about uh, Jerome Wilkins in the past. It was a, a Jordan Wilkins? I'm sorry, a star at, at Mississippi. Some big production. Struggled in his last preseason offering, averaging only two yards a carry. But you've got so many injuries there that there's at least going to be some opportunity early on to get some touches, and then we'll see how it develops with Andrew Luck back under center. I'll offer this to bit of advice to anybody who's in a dynasty league or a holdover league where you can get value or you have to forfeit that draft pick for the player that you drafted in the round prior. Taking James Conner right now, and not even just as a handcuff, but for a potential starter because sure. of Le'Veon Bell's situation, you may want to take him a couple of rounds earlier than you normally would, maybe not way at the at the back end, as, as you said, Mike, just of value early on, but even value long-term if you can get your hands on him 
because he very well could be the starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers at running back in 2019, and that would help in you know longer form leagues or dynasty leagues. Yeah, and then we have the other curiosity of how things will shake out, and and, and we've been talking about the Raiders all morning as related to Khalil Mack and and the front office and a lot of a lot of hand wringing and, and trying to figure out exactly what the direction is and what they're thinking short long term. Uh, but you had Chris Warren the third out of Texas uh, acquitted himself quite nicely in this preseason. Uh, put up some big performances, even though overall you know there were still many questions left on the field. But with Marshawn Lynch, Doug Martin's there, but uh, a veteran guy that they don't have a lot of investment in, that that Warren might be a guy that breaks through, perhaps not at the start of the season, uh, but as the season goes on, maybe getting himself a little bit of a workload. This is more looking at depth possibilities. And the Raiders actually put him on IR for knee surgery. Eligible to return, but at least early on in the season, he he wouldn't be there. What about about with the A.J. McCarron trade from Buffalo to Oakland? Not from a Raiders perspective, but if Josh Allen now is likely the guy in Buffalo, what does that do for Calvin Benjamin, Charles Clay, LaShawn McCoy, those guys, if they're going with the rookie under center? Well, we'd suspect we see a lot of Clay and McCoy so long as he's available. Obviously, the question's still swirling as to whether there's any uh, headway on the off-field issues that were reported during the offseason so still some questions there but the quarterbacks young quarterbacks uh, dump offs to the tight end are really going to probably be where it's at so I think Charles Clay has an opportunity if he stays healthy here to have a pretty significant target count and when you're looking at the tight end if you decide not to invest heavily at the top with a Kelsey or a Gronkowski you start going deeper towards the back end of the ones into the twos your week-to-week production will fluctuate uh, but there's certainly guys that are going to still get a decent target count on a week-to-week basis and Clay should be one of those for Benjamin it's just too difficult to to understand, I guess someone's got to catch the ball. Like, yeah, that's right. the old rule of thumb, <laughs> right? By by average, and we can always run the numbers, but you know the, you're going to have the average quarterback tandem trio. However many guys are under center, av- you know, are going to hit some minimum threshold of passing yards. So Benjamin just by by default is going to have to see a decent amount of action. Just. It's awful hard to think on a week-to-week basis you're getting consistent production, even if he is a number one. So right now being drafted as a three, and I I have to stay at least for the start of the season, he's going to be on the bench with a lot of wait and sees with Allen under center. And if you drafted Dan Bailey in your league already, the kicker cut by the Cowboys yesterday. Yeah, he'll find work. It just may not be by week one. How about that? Kickers mentoring the conversation. Good job, Dan. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday here on Fox Sports Radio. Reach us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Mike, they can get you at. You can find me over at Swollen Dome. Reminder that Fox Sports Sunday is brought to you by Lowe's. Uh, You get 5% uh, on the the pros discount each and every day online and in store. Uh, Restrictions apply. See stores for details. Alabama may be the best team in college football, but they aren't number one according to one set of rankings. We explain next here on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday at Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer. So glad to have you with us on this Labor Day weekend. Hope you're able to maybe kick the feet up a little bit. Watch a little football yesterday, maybe even later today, LSU and Miami. Then tomorrow, ACC showdown between Virginia Tech and Florida State to wrap up the first week of college football. 
Let's get it going, guys, on this Labor Day weekend. Yes, the feud is back. Let's get the Fox family together. Mike Harmon, Ryan Dennis, Sam Kinsley, and Isaac Lowenkron playing the feud today. Guys, obviously it's going to be college football themed. Top 10 answers on the board. Most appearances in the AP Top 25 poll in college football history. So what schools have appeared in the AP Top 25 poll the most times in the history of college football. For example, just to keep track, each week you're in is another appearance in the AP Top 25 poll. Let's start with Mike Harmon. Three strikes available and a pass. If you use the pass, that means that we'll reveal an answer, but no one else can use the pass. That's how it's played. Mike, you're up first. Uh, well, we'll go with them yesterday's win. We'll go with Notre Dame, just going historical. Sure. Obviously, Notre Dame, great success throughout the years. Show me those fighting Irish. There they are, number four on our list, 784 appearances in the AP Top 25, so essentially 784 weeks. Over to Ryan Dennis, our executive producer. Well, speaking of fighting, let's go with Fight On and the rival of Notre Dame, USC. Oh, interesting. Of course, Ryan Dennis is going to go down that road. Show me the Trojans of the University of Southern California. There they are. Don't call them Southern Cal. Don't call them Southern Cal. USC 765 appearances. They are sixth on the list. Over to Sam Kinsley. Oklahoma. Go Sooners! Oh, go Sooners. <laughs> years and years of success in Norman. There they are. Yeah, yeah. Sooner rather than later. 815 appearances. Third Ooh. on our list. Over to Isaac Lohenkron. Still looking for that number one answer. Home of Bear Bryant and currently home of Mr. Happy Pants, Alabama. Alabama, Crimson Tide. <laughs> are we rolling with the tide on the feud? Yes, we are. Number five on our list, 776 weeks in the AP Top 25 poll. Back around to the Windy City and Mike Harmon. Quick time out to remind you, Fox Sports Sunday is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. You could switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. Uh, how about we go back, Bo Schembechler and all of the Michigan Wolverines? All those Michigan teams, even dating way back, does Michigan have enough oomph to make the list? Heck, oh, yes, they do. Number two, 834 weeks in the AP Top 25 poll. Over to Ryan Dennis. We are 5 for 5 as Michigan, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Alabama, and USC so far make up half of the feud board. Ryan? Well, let's go from Mr. Happy Pants to uh, Happy Valley in uh, Penn State. Oh, there you interesting. Go. Yeah, Penn State on this list. Uh, let's see if the, the Nittany Lions and Mount Nittany can rise to the occasion. Yes, they can. Number nine, make it six for six. So far, a perfect game as we go over to Sam Kinsley. Let's try the Buckeyes. Most appearances in the AP Top 25 poll in college football history. Still looking for that number one answer. Is it Ohio State? Yes, it is. The Buckeyes, the most appearances, yes, 887 times they've appeared in the Top 25 poll. All right, over to Isaac Lowenkron. We are 747. Rolling the dice. Hook em, horns. <laughs> they, they won't be in it next week, but for the sake of this game, are they in it? The Texas Longhorns. Yes, there they are. Number eight on the list. 708 weeks. Eight for eight. We've gone through twice with a perfect score, looking for the most appearances in the AP Top 25 poll in college football history. Back to Mike Harmon. 
Oh, uh, go off the grid, perhaps. Oh, no, they're terrible for a long stretch. <laughs> like, right in my head, I'm like, no, that was a good run, and then, and then it fell apart. Um, how about the Hurricanes? Oh, the Miami Hurricanes. We know about their great success. They play tonight. Did they play on our list? No, they did not make the top 10 over to Ryan Dennis first strike. Oh, my goodness. Um, Jeez. I'm just trying to think of Big Ten teams here, potentially. But let's go Michigan State. Michigan State. Is Sparty going to let us party? No. Sam, it is on your shoulders to keep it alive. Uh, Let's try... Florida State. Florida oh. State. Well, that, that was Isaac's answer, maybe. Show me the Knowles. Oh. We missed out on the Cornhuskers and the LSU Go Tigers. Glad to have you with us on this Labor Day weekend. We look ahead to the final two games of week one in the college football season. Yes, week one almost wrapped up. You got LSU and Miami tonight, Virginia Tech and Florida State tomorrow. A lot of a lot of stuff from yesterday, Mike, that is still grabbing the attention. Plus, we'll look ahead to the NFL season as the regular season gets underway on Thursday. Give you our AFC and NFC previews in advance of that showdown Thursday night in Philadelphia where the Super Bowl champion Eagles entertain the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, football is here, Mike Harmon. So much swirling around, Dan, and it's all between the white lines. Sure, there are the the press box is also looking why and, and all the boosters uh, shaking their fists in anger after some big high profile losses from big hires. Certainly, uh, when when you look at some of the results of yesterday uh, and here in Chicago, uh, a lot being made of. All right, what's this Notre Dame team all about? But conversely, a lot of whispers uh, on the Jim Harbaugh side of things. Khalil Mack getting traded to the Bears and the injury. We talked about it with Jarek McKinnon. Just so many headlines that keep your head on on a swivel uh, about. And it was fun to be out and about yesterday with multiple televisions and trying to make sure that you kept apprised of every play all the way through to Appalachian State and and Penn State, a thriller that goes to overtime. I mean, that one's the, an afterthought can, compared to some of the other things. Things that that happened over the, the course of the day, but just exciting to have football back. You know, I tweeted this out Friday night when we were doing the show together. Of as long as you win in week one, everything is fine because in the long run, you just can't you can't deal with a loss early. So Penn State, I know people don't want to believe it, but I'm sorry if Penn State runs the table and wins the Big Ten, even if maybe one of their losses is to a Michigan State or Ohio State, but still gets in the Big Ten title game and wins the conference. That App State overtime game isn't going to come back and haunt them. It's the the resume as a whole. But when you come to Michigan, Mike, and you mentioned Jim Harbaugh and what happened last night in South Bend, the the there's so much talk about Harbaugh now and is he overrated, is he underrated, and you want to win last night's game, obviously. It's not the loss as much as people want to point out the record for Harbaugh that strikes me, is why is it taking so long for this offense to do anything, like just something. Like we always, we've blamed it on the quarterbacks the last couple of years, and he hasn't gotten this from his quarterback. He hasn't gotten that. Now we get Shea Patterson coming in as a transfer, and they end up scoring one offensive touchdown last night against Notre Dame. And it's not to take any credit away from Notre Dame's defense, but that's the issue that I see with Michigan is 
Why on earth has this not been working? There's been plenty enough time now for you to get your guys in if you're Jim Harbaugh. Why can't you get an offense to work? That's the biggest issue for me. Well, yeah, and you look at yesterday's game, it, it looks fine in the if you just go to the box score, right? It's a seven-point loss, okay, on the road, check that box. And you can go down down the list of what it looks like on paper. Oh, look at the yardage and look what they did. third of their yardage came in the final five minutes of the game. Yep. After after Notre Dame had changed up their defensive looks and we're just trying to make sure that Michigan couldn't go over the top and and have the big play. So you you take a lot of it with a grain of salt and it's it's like any football game, any sporting event that that you have on on the planet, right? If all you're looking at is the final result, it doesn't necessarily tell the true tale of the tape. And certainly we know that trying to predict fantasy each and every week where dominance can happen 19 of 20 plays. It's that 20th play that comes back and makes you look like an idiot uh, in your (laughs) prognostication. Dylan McCaffrey. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Dylan McCaffrey getting snaps yesterday for Michigan as well. Uh, Maybe to do a little, but it's just that it just seems to be it seems to be running in place when it comes to Michigan's offense. And if I'm a Michigan fan, I know so much is made about the record. The the, the realistic nature is, is he's won one game of significance of a bowl game, and that was an Orange Bowl win at Stanford against Virginia Tech. But if I'm in the immediate nature of this, we know Michigan's defense is going to be good. They've had good defenses for a couple of Harbaugh seasons. Why isn't the offense up to, up to speed? And that's just the, the biggest issue for me. And still – remains unsolved in Ann Arbor. He's well, Mike. Oh, he's supposed to have his quarterback, too. Yeah. Though. That's the thing, Dan. That, that, that was all the big, with, with all the travel and all the other stuff going on, and, and the, part of it is Harbaugh puts a giant target on himself with some of the, uh, shall we say, unusual training methods uh, and and everything that goes on. Hey, let's take a trip overseas. <laughs> let's go do, yep. you know, open these, do these camps elsewhere. And it's... Doing things differently is fine, but if the results don't come down on the field, like why can't you do it the old way, right? The the conversation we had with Jason Cole about John Gruden. I want to do it old style. I want it back. Well, the rules have changed. You can't necessarily do it that way anymore in the NFL. But for college football, a lot of that remains the same, and he's just trying to think outside the box, which is great and innovative, but you got to have results in games that count. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, let's settle it. Our final hot takes and sausage of 2018 as Ryan Dennis throws up a topic to Mike and I, and we get to discuss, and Ryan gets to pick a winner. We are tied up at one apiece. Ryan Smith, now our technical producer, hanging out. What's going on, guys? Hello, hello, and yeah, the la- I guess the last edition of the Hot Takes and Sausage here on Fox Sports Sunday. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier. I mean, you guys have been talking about Jim Harbaugh, but another new addition to the college football coaching tree, or I guess coming back to the coaching tree, is uh, good old Chip Kelly. Kind of oh, want to yes. get a uh, little bit of like a temperature of the room. What do you, what do you guys uh, think of Chip Kelly's return, and how long do you think it's going to be, or if it ever happens, Chip Kelly dominating the Pac-12 again? We'll go with Mike. Well, we'll see what the next iteration of the offense is overall, but certainly in this opener going up against uh, Luke Fickle and the in the Bearcats, uh, couldn't get the offense rolling. You had Wilton Spate gets hurt, so you're, you're immediately going to your backup quarterback, which is never 
never a good thing in, in week one as you, you've prepared months for this big first uh, first game and, and Spate finally had gotten healthy enough to, to be the starter and get things rolling. So now it's a question of the what what is the innovation that Chip Kelly can bring and whether he gets back to the dominance that we'd seen once upon a time. No, but it's it's a splash higher, and it's got the alumni base, perhaps not as many people nationwide, uh, excited about things. And even in Los Angeles, let's face it, it's it's muted by the by the LeBron James run and and Los Angeles Dodgers bullpen implosions and and their recent run back towards the top of the NL West standings. You know, locally, you know, Dan Dan and company, you guys all back in Los Angeles, me, I'll rejoin you tomorrow. The, the that that's still the the talk of the town and and Chip Kelly, at least for the moment, he's going to get to operate year 1 and start putting those pieces in place. Not not in obscurity, but on a, on a relative basis, kind of I believe getting a little bit of a free pass as he tries to rebuild this program. So I think it's two to three years from now before we really see that take effect. I don't know if Chip Kelly is ever going to dominate college football again, and I'm not even sure if Oregon dominated. They dominated the Pac-12, and I think that was actually your, your point, Ryan. Are they going to be back to dominating right. that conference? It is it, it is for the taking, but n- now you've got USC, Stanford, and Washington to deal with, and and maybe an Oregon team and a program that Chip Kelly obviously knows a lot about. The issue with UCLA was this: is Mike mentioned Wilton Spate being knocked out, and Dorian Thompson Robinson came in as a true freshman and and did look overmatched. But Chip Kelly's teams, and people need to realize this, and for some reason there's still a group of people that don't understand this, Chip Kelly's teams run the ball, run the ball, and run the ball. And then when they run the ball over you or past you or by you and you're so concerned about what is happening when they're running the ball, that's when the passing game opens up. They didn't have that yesterday. So once Chip Kelly gets his guys in there, gets his players in there on the type of offense that they want to do to run the football, things will open up. The previous regime with Jim Mora doesn't have the personnel that Chip Kelly wants, so he's still working with stuff. Passing game was inept yesterday. Once the running game, though, gets going and he gets his people in there, things will turn around. They won't dominate, but that running game will help win them games in the Pac-12. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Chip Kelly, I, I, as a USC guy, I mean, I'm actually scared <laughs> to death, to be honest with you, because I've seen what he can do to this conference, and then, you know, the last thing you want is your rival to just, you know, roll over you for the next four or five, however many years. But, you know, a lot like Chris Peterson did with Washington, once he got his guys in there, that's when they really took flight. So, Dan... You are the big winner. All right, today of all hot right. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. It's good to wrap it up. the uh, The timing, the timing, by the way, of of Chip Kelly's dominance in the Pac-12 does need to be noted because there is the transition. You move from you know Jim Harbaugh to David Shaw, and David Shaw's done a great job with Stanford, but Washington wasn't Washington. USC was going through their own issues. Oregon was sitting there as really the top dog amongst the league and, and and if I'm missing something please let me know but I don't think that I am so the time is different because Washington has arrived we think that USC is is starting to be back making it to a, a New Year's Six Bowl last year obviously their win two years ago in the Rose Bowl helps them and then you've got Stanford being Stanford so there's more competition I don't think it's going to be as easy to dominate as what Chip Kelly did when he was at Oregon 
Yeah, you're still going to be able to beat up on the rest of the, the conference, which means you're you're looking at one or two games a year where this is really uh, going to get the the notoriety and that you know based on how your schedule works out, you know where you're going to get those those top notch matchups that are going to matter later in the season. And obviously, we're hoping that it gets back to that. Why? Because it's better football for everybody. But we know in the Pac-12, you can put up pinball like numbers, and I think that's where the exciting or the enticing part of, of the Chip Kelly experiment is, what's that next thing in the lab? Mm-hmm. Trying to go back and put that genius tag. Normally it's capital G for a year or two, and then we we downgrade it to a small G, uh, and then sometimes <laughs> it's knocked off the board altogether. So we'll see. Uh, for for UCLA, I've got to believe he gets as long a run as he needs, given the the desire to, to get this program back. And, and as Ryan noted, USC finally out of all of those – Things from the Reggie Bush world. It's been a couple of years, but it looks like they're finally getting a little bit of momentum back in terms of rebuilding their roster. So uh, that that rivalry should heat up. And for Chip Kelly, you know, it, it's just the intrigue. You always want to see what the next iteration of any artist is, whether it's uh, entertainment, music, TV, uh, and certainly coaches. Right? Why we spend so much time thinking about John Gruden and the job he may or may not do in Oakland. With Chip Kelly, it's the same thing. It's like, all right, here's the toolbox. Obviously, you're going to switch out some of these parts and customize it for your own build. Uh, but once that happens, can you can you get back and, and rediscover some magic? And yes, you're navigating a, a different Pac-12 with three teams uh, up there instead of maybe one or two of the old old yep. uh, halves, but it, it certainly makes for entertaining viewing uh, once it gets rolling. And I my apologies to Stanford because I may have understood their success, but it really was a, a two-team race it, during those times. Now maybe you've got three or four schools that could play a role in winning the Pac-12, which is different from when the time Oregon and Chip Kelly were winning. He had to deal with Stanford, and that was pretty much it. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Reach us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox, and you can get Mike over at Swollen Dome. Aaron Rodgers has a brand new contract, but does he have the best chance to knock off the Eagles in the NFC? That question answered next year on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. Mike's at our Fox Sports Radio Geico Studios in Chicago. I'm at the home base here in Los Angeles. If you want to reach us, feel free to do so on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Mike, where can they get you on Twitter? Find me over at Swollen Dome. Reminder, Fox Sports Sunday brought to you by Geico. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. If you ever missed the show, just go to iTunes, subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends, and download the show every single week. This is a show that you're going to want to keep on file because now we look ahead to the NFL season and kind of an NFC preview, Mike. We talked about Nick Foles. We talked about the Philadelphia Eagles. And the question is, do the Philadelphia Eagles, not only do they have enough personnel-wise to repeat, but do they have enough with everything else that is going around them to repeat as Super Bowl champions? A big, big question for the Eagles entering the 2018 season. Well, I think you look squarely over at the New York Giants are the only answer in that division, at least on paper to start things, Dan, uh, mm-hmm. to challenge them uh, atop atop the standings. We look at Dallas with a lot of questions in their receiving core, some injuries on the offensive line already, and what? who is Dak Prescott? Is he the guy, does he need Ezekiel Elliott to be dominating for him to push forward, or is this the year that he breaks off and, and comes off as a more pure passer 
but we don't know who that is. Is it Michael Gallup, Alan Hearns? Who, who's the guy that comes and, and lifts that offense? For Washington, it's Alex Smith. And I've said it on record for a couple of weeks now here, uh, and much longer, but certainly as we got to the NFL preview, uh, the way Jay Gruden's kind of handled things in a number of capacities there and, and the way the organization's been run in Washington, uh, I'm not trusting that they get it done. You know, you're looking at maybe Alex Smith has a few, a couple of, fewer turnovers than Kirk Cousins. I don't know that that's the difference between winning and losing. On the other side, uh, or pushing them towards greatness, I guess, is really the larger issue. I think they had many more things going on on that team than just the quarterback position. And then you look at the Giants with Odell Beckham now signed, Saquon Barkley in theory to give you good balance, a better offensive line. All bets are on Eli Manning from Pat Shermer that he's still got enough in the tank and that it's you know not his fault of the, the down backslide and the the downgrading of that mm-hmm. offense the last couple of years. So you know that's the hedge the bet, but certainly on paper there's enough there for to challenge the Eagles. Now it's a matter of whether it they can a stay healthy and b bring bring Eli back to where he's more of the quarterback from say three years ago than the guy we've seen. Yeah, for the defense that we love to talk about two years ago and their no fly zone and what you had the back end uh, for the Giants, you still have Landon Collins there. I know Eli Apple had his his ups and downs, oh, yeah. mostly downs last year. You got Janoris Jenkins there as well in that back end of the secondary, but you also still have Olivier Vernon. And I know JPP is gone, but m- maybe that's an opportunity where it was just, you know, his better days are behind him. So there are pieces defensively that you've got there. You acquired Alec Ogletree in the offseason in that deal with the Rams. So you have got the pieces on defense. I do I look at Washington and I look and I look at Dallas as well. So I get what you're saying, even though the Giants were so awful last year, you're thinking about maybe what their ceiling is is and that's the difficult thing with the Cowboys and the Redskins is their ceiling just looks like nine and seven. And if you're going to knock right. <laughs> off the Eagles, you can't go 9-7 and seven if you want to win that division. And there are some that think that Alex Smith is an upgrade at quarterback for Washington. And that's fine and dandy, and you've made some other moves, but you did lose Darius Geis, and defensively, I'm not sure how much better they are, even though they probably have the best cornerback in all of football on their team. So I get what you're saying about the Giants. As you're looking at the Eagles and we look at the the, the rest of the NFC as well, this is, this is where... This is where what is so intriguing because now you can maybe even put the Bears in the conversation sure. for a team that could be looking at a playoff berth. You know, Green Bay and Minnesota were going to be there in the the NFC North. The Lions' defense, for as even with the coaching change of Jim Caldwell to Matt Patricia, the Lions' defense was decent last year. So you've got that division that's tough. The NFC South is tough, and you have the Rams making all of their moves in the NFC West. Things are just completely wide open in the NFC. No, I think that's the beauty of it, right? And and even where teams, say your Seattle Seahawks, they they've been written off by a number of number of pundits and scribes. But so long as Russell Wilson's upright and and Baldwin comes back, and, and we'll see what happens with with Brandon Marshall. But you're looking at a team that I'm curious, running attack with a couple of guys back there that I'm not so quick to proclaim them dead. Are they world beaters? No, but they may be good enough to screw up the division. Arizona, they they somehow got all the way up to 8-8. Eight 
a year ago. Yeah. I, smoke and mirrors. How, however it happened, you, you win games and, and push through. But offensive line rebuilt to a degree. Still some questions of how you round out the receiving core behind Larry Fitzgerald. And for him, when does father time? We talk about the quarterbacks and father time. What about Larry Fitzgerald? He just keeps going and rolling on. And eventually that's got to slow down. Christian Kirk was a, a big to do in fan in fantasy land for a little bit uh, during the preseason, but Sam Bradford can he stay upright? I don't know. In the South, you got three teams, and then even even Tampa Bay, yeah, they've got a tough schedule out of the jump. But once Winston comes back, they're going to win enough games to muddy it up as well. I love Tampa Bay's role of spoiler, and I've talked about you know we talked about this on Friday, and we've talked about it in the past of Jameis Winston and that offense of being able to put points on the board and move the ball up and down the field. But, man, with that trio of Carolina, Atlanta, and New Orleans, that's a tough battle for anybody in the NFC South. I I, I mean, I like the Saints this season. I really like New Orleans and putting it together, and I do think that there is something to Drew Brees' last call, but it's a tough division to navigate. And if you're looking at it from that way, I, I, I don't think that the Seahawks are going to be great. I don't think Arizona's going to be great. And now with McKinnon lost for the Niners, I think it's an easier path for the Rams in the NFC West to repeat as division champions there. Maybe they have the easiest path to a division a path to a division title than anybody in the entire NFC. Yeah, I would say you, you look at the way that opens up, and as much as people want to deify uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and, and put him on the exalted, uh, his, his overall numbers, yes, they got wins, but there was some spottiness to his play. We'll see how that rounds off after a full offseason of work here. But, you know, you got Goodwin, you bring in Pierre Garçon is healthy and back, George Kittle going through some injury issues, but you at least think you have enough receivers for Garoppolo to take a step forward. But for the Rams, yes, they may have added a lot of crazy, uh, but there's an awful lot of talent yeah. on that defense <laughs> I for know. Wade Phillips to manage. It's a matter of, is are the Rams greater than the sum of their parts? That's the real question. And and is the addition of a Marcus Peters and a Keeb Tlaib and Indomitian Sue and uh, a Brandon Cooks? Are all those guys going to be able to mesh? And I think it's actually a legitimate question in Minnesota as well with Kirk Cousins is how much is the new quarterback going to mesh there? Was it just a special year last year? We know how good the defense is, but offensively, will they take that next step to be the true Super Bowl contender? I think that I'm not, I'm not questioning Minnesota. I'm not questioning the Rams. I just think you have to. I think they're playoff teams, and I think they'll be in the postseason. I just don't know, Mike, if the chemistry gels. And and as I'm saying all of this, it goes back to Green Bay, and it goes back to New Orleans for me. Of places where you don't have questions about the quarterback position, you you may have questions in other areas, but they're the most consistent and they're the best of the best. And that's why I like Green Bay this year. I like New Orleans. I'm I, Minnesota's going to be good. Yeah, so are the Rams are going to be good. But if you want to talk about breaking through and making to a Super Bowl, I still keep coming back to Green Bay, and I still keep coming back to New Orleans for some reason, just because of the consistency of what you got at the quarterback position. I think New Orleans is better set at the other places. I really like the Saints this year, but that's what keeps on bringing me back. And for some reason, I still have questions about Minnesota and the Rams. Well, with Kirk Cousins, the the question in Washington was always how much was on the ill-timed throw, right? A beat or trying to gamble when he didn't need to downfield. And he's going to be enticed to do so when you've got Stephon Diggs out there and you've got Thielen working down there and Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. There's a lot of things where he might be, if he plays a little loose, uh, to where that can cost you. The, they bring in George Iloka to the back of the defense and, and you got to love the the unit that's assembled there. But, you know, how much 
with the transition with Shermer leaving, and obviously Cousins comes in, wasn't working with him, but still you got enough terminology change and, and for the rest of the players to pick up on as well. Uh, New Orleans, great speed, and they finally built that defense. Ingram with the suspension looked like they should be able to weather that fairly well. And, and you look at Drew Brees down in the touchdown department last year, but still 4,400 yards. Mm-hmm. Still, They still move the ball. And that division is going to be truly interesting to watch, right? We talk about Carolina, a couple of couple of injuries up on their, their line that are make things interesting at least to start the season to see how McCaffrey, C.J. Anderson are worked and, and whether Cam Newton can keep from getting dumped on his head again like he did in that preseason game against the the Patriots. So you're going to have to you know watch him. I know the instinct is to get those carries, and that's when he's at his most effective, uh, but certainly early on could be exposed with those tackles out. But it it is absolutely just wide open. Like You could make a case, like even for Detroit – Going back to the north, right? As much as the history weighs on them, there's still enough talent at the wide receiver position and and multiple backs there for Matthew Stafford that it's like, what if? Mm-hmm. What if it all plays together? In, in other words, I think the whole conference is eight and eight, Dan. <laughs> I really think. Well, I, I really think that's what I just argued myself into. I, I, I mean, I, I look at the division like this. I like Philadelphia in the east. I like Minnesota in the north. I like the Saints in the south, and I like the Rams in the west. And I don't think that. A lot of that is really going out on a limb, and it's a, a, a bit of status quo from what we had a year ago. But I think Green Bay makes the playoffs again for one of the wild card teams. And now you're looking at Atlanta, Carolina, the Detroit team that you just mentioned. We Maybe you put the Bears into that conversation. Who is going to grab that final wild card in the NFC? And that's what is is up in the air. And if I, if I had to pick, I... I guess I'd go Atlanta of, of of grabbing that final wild card, but that's the point for me. That's the battle that you're going to see in the NFC. See, that's just it. I'll run through them my, myself. The Giants, Vikings, Saints, Rams, Packers, and Falcons. I think yeah. we're in, in lockstep. And even then, you know, as you mentioned, there's a logjam for those wild cards, especially if the divisions play as tough uh, as they would appear to be on paper. You would note that Mike Harmon does not have the Philadelphia Eagles making the playoffs. What about, about that? Yeah, what about their opponent in Super Bowl 52? Will they make the postseason in the AFC? We'll dive into that after Isaac Lowenkron fills us in on the latest. Hello, Isaac. Hello, Dan and Michael. We begin in the NFL, where on Saturday night, the Chicago Bears agreed on an extension with Khalil Mack for a reported six years and a record $141 million. Today, Mac had a message for Bears fans, including you, Michael Harmon. What's going on, Bears fans? Khalil Mack here. And the place to be, man. They got me up in Chi-Town, man. It's time to get to work. I can't wait. I'm excited for this opportunity, man. And bad out. San Francisco 49ers running back Jarek McKinnon tore his ACL on the last play of practice on Saturday and is expected to be out for the season. In college football Saturday night, number one Alabama defeated Louisville 51-14. 12th-ranked Notre Dame held off number 14 Michigan 24-17. Cincinnati spoiled Chip Kelly's debut with a 26-17 victory over UCLA at the Rose Bowl. Scott Frost's debut at Nebraska never happened. Their game against Akron was canceled because of severe thunderstorms. Hey, great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. In Major League Baseball on Saturday night, the Dodgers trailed the Arizona Diamondbacks 2-1 
2 to nothing in the bottom of the eighth inning with two on. Matt Kemp at the plate and Rick Monday at the microphone on AM570 LA Sports. And the pitch on the way. Breaking ball. Left center field. This ball is back and it is gone. Matt Kemp connects for his 19th home run of the season and the Dodgers have the lead. 3-2 Dodgers, the final, so the Dodgers and Diamondbacks now tied for first in the NL West. And one final note today, Major League Baseball suspended Yankees manager Aaron Boone for today's game against the Tigers for his confrontation with umpire Nick Lentz on Friday. Dan and Michael, back to you. Thank you very much, Isaac. This is Fox Sports Sunday, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Um, Doug Peterson of the Philadelphia Eagles, their Super Bowl winning head coach, not making things easy on the media, still not giving up who's going to be the starting quarterback for Thursday's opener against the Falcons, saying that uh, the media is putting words in his mouth, but did say Carson Wentz has not been cleared for contact just yet. So take that for a whatever you will, Mike Harmon, <laughs> on Fox Sports Sunday. If he hasn't been cleared for contact by Sunday, I don't know how he's going to face contact on Thursday. They're going to put him in a giant Gore-Tex jacket like he's George Costanza. <laughs> so if he takes a hit, he just bounces off the turf. Oh, that would be that would be magnificent. Uh, we just talked about the NFC and the Philadelphia Eagles, who Mike does not have making the postseason. As for their opponent in Super Bowl 52, the New England Patriots, that path to another division title seems to be another walk in the park with really the Buffalo Bills seemingly going with Josh Allen as their starting quarterback. That hasn't been made official but we assume so with the trade of A.J. McCarron. Could still be Nathan Peterman, but we we are expecting it to be Josh Allen. When you see the Jets trying to decide whether it's going to be Sam Donald or Josh McCown, and obviously the Miami Dolphins having their issues in Miami, it seems like another cakewalk to another division title for the New England Patriots. Well, that's just it, right? Miami, a lot of speculation of how much they, they want Ryan Tannehill around, how long the leash is there. Uh, they have been rumored to be in the sweepstakes for one of these quarterbacks, potentially uh, as released or, or even as a low-level trade opportunist. For Buffalo, there's just there's nothing to like there. I mean, even yeah. we're talking about it for fantasy purposes, awful hard to argue LaShawn McCoy is much more than a back-end number two, given the way that offensive line's been retooled and what they've done to the receiving core. The Jets, hey, I'll have to talk about them, so I'll watch all their games and I'll let you know if there's any value because uh, I'm going to have to deal with Jason Smith all all week, 8 to 11 Pacific every night, talking Sam Darnold uh, every turn. But they're starting to put some pieces together, and it looks like the front office is starting to address issues. But, yeah, for New England, as much as you can go through all the rumor and, and the scuttlebutt of the you know, discord and dissension and, and all these problems in the locker room, as long as Tom Brady's upright, there's nobody beating him or challenging them in that division. What about in the AFC South? Because you've got Jacksonville, that the division winners from a year ago, you have Tennessee making a push to the divisional playoffs last year with Marcus Mariota. You get the Houston Texans and getting Deshaun Watson back. The Indianapolis Colts getting Andrew Luck back. Is there a, How much resistance is there for Jacksonville to repeat in the AFC South? Well, I think you're still looking at, at a lot of eyes are, are straight on, on Blake Bortles. It's funny. I was binge-watching a show the other day called a good, The Good Place 
uh, where you know it's heaven and hell and head dancing and Kristen Bell, whatever. Mm-hmm. But one of the the jokes is uh, one of the guys that's kind of trapped in this sequence is a huge Blake Bortles fan. He says he's the best <laughs> player in NFL history. And it's a running joke on the show going on a couple of seasons. Uh, They need him to be that guy. You know, the defense good enough. Leonard Fournette trimmed down. Maybe he's a bigger part of the passing game, but it's on Blake Bortles. So you you look at this, the division. I'm not trusting that Indianapolis is there to do much of anything uh, off the jump. It'll be good to see if Andrew Luck can stay upright and get through the the slate. For Houston, defense is set. You got DeAndre Hopkins. You have some speed players around him, so excitement abounds there. But you just lost Foreman, you know, your backup, your, mm-hmm. your presumptive backup there to, to Lamar Miller. So that's a big blow for them in terms of trying to establish that balance. And when you look at Tennessee, you know, everybody wants to make a lot out of preseason football. Well, if they're going to do that to Nick Foles, what the hell do you do with Marcus Mariota? Sure. Right. Sure. With, with what you saw in the preseason. And, and, you know, we try to dismiss it to a degree. But, you know, if we're going to play Sky is Falling as much as the media did with Nick Foles uh, preseason, there, there wasn't a lot to like about what Tennessee well, put up. Well, we're, and we're also looking at Mariota as the guy to take that next step. Right. I mean, right. like, we're like, no offense to Nick Foles, but we aren't expecting him to take that next step or to continue to be an elite quarterback. It's something that we're wondering and concerned about when it comes to. Marcus Mariota. So I think that 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 part is legit. And it's Mike. It's that reason. And with with the questions still in Houston, and I, the Colts aren't close. I I mean I think Jacksonville ends up running away with that division. And I I think that I when we talk about the Steelers and we talk about the Chargers, like to me again, it's now it's an AFC Championship rematch in vying for the top spot in in the AFC. I'd, I'd, I'll put the Chargers in that conversation as well, but I just don't think Pittsburgh has enough defense. I think that Jacksonville's defense is just so good that it will carry them, and and that's that's how I see things playing out in, in the AFC, at least with New England winning the East and the Chargers winning the West, which I don't think is a surprise, or Jacksonville winning the South. But if you're taking those teams, if you want to put Pittsburgh winning the North, like I think most of us probably do, I just think that the Jacksonville is head and shoulders above Pittsburgh and that the Chargers actually sandwiched in between the Jaguars and, and Steelers in that third spot in the AFC to really challenge New England. See, so yeah, this is where I get a, get a little bit off the grid. Just to, you know, you got to throw a dart once in a while, Dan. And, mm-hmm. and looking at the North, I'm looking at the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. I'm looking even squarely. With Joe, ah. Yeah, even with Joe, no no longer considered elite. Joe Flacco uh, as, as the trigger man. Looking at Alex Collins in the backfield, a rebuilt wide receiving core, decent offensive line, good defense. I know they lose. Smith to the suspension to start things, but I think Baltimore is a much better team all around uh, than they they a have been given credit for, but but b in when we're looking going going forward that that balance is going to be there to to pull off and grind out a couple of wins. So I, I'm going to look for them to, to stage the the monster upset that finally things with all those star. Starbound players, right? All the, mm-hmm. the big fantasy heroes and everything in Pittsburgh. That that there's enough to upend them. If that wild those wild cards are up for grabs, then so Pittsburgh doesn't win the AFC North. Who grabs the couple of wild cards then in the AFC? In your mind, is Pittsburgh one of the candidates to to grab one of them? They are there. Uh, I was looking. At, I've got New England, Baltimore, Jacksonville, and the Chargers, and then uh, I'm going to go out on a limb with with Patrick Mahomes. To rise up, because uh, look, both the Chargers and Chiefs are going to feast on, mm-hmm. on Denver and Oakland 
uh, so they'll be able to propel themselves. And then that last spot comes down to Houston or Pittsburgh, and I'm going to give Houston the slight edge. Oh, interesting. Houston over the Steelers. I like the Steelers winning the North, the wild cards. I like the Chiefs as well. I think it's going to be a different Chiefs team. We're going to look at this Chiefs team in the past as a team that, okay, when it comes down to it, when are they going to choke? I think it's going to be the opposite with Patrick Mahomes. I think there's going to be ups and downs, but it's now going to be a team that you don't want to play because if if they just come in at 9-7 and seven and he gets hot and he gets acclimated, it's the role reversal. And I'll say this. I'll take the Jets to get the final wild card. Look at you. Uh, yes, I actually I, I, love I like the Jets. I know that there's issues on the offensive line, but I think defensively I like their back end. I think they can get better up front. And whether it be Sam Darnold or Josh McCown, I'm not worried about the quarterback position. I'm going to have the Jets grab the final wild card of the AFC. How about that? I like you being bold there, Dan Byer. It is Fox Sports Sunday here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer, live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. If you ever miss the show, just go to iTunes, subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends, download the show every single week. Okay, we've broken down the AFC and the NFC, but we have yet to give you our Super Bowl predictions. Those come up next here on Fox Sports Sunday. What happens for instance? Brought to you by Progressive Insurance. We'll compare rates for you so you get a great deal, even if it's not with us. Saving you time and money. Now that's Progressive. Call or click today. Mike Carmen's bag of fun coming up in 60 seconds here on Fox Sports Sunday. It is Fox Sports Radio. He is Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Bayer plus. Yes, our Super Bowl predictions as we just took a look at the AFC and the NFC. And as of note, Mike's got the Eagles out of the playoffs and the Giants winning the NFC East. I've got the Jets making the postseason as a wild card. So if you want to think things a little differently, maybe uh, something out of the ordinary, there's something to grab on. Brett Barlow says, don't count out the Titans. They're going places this year. Says that Mariota looked bad in the third preseason game, but all right in the first two. Well, isn't the third one the one that we always count on? Isn't that it, Mike Harmon? The that's third that's game? the one yes. I needed him to shine in, Dan. Yes, yes. We'll see about the Tennessee Titans if they can get it going under new head coach Mike Vrabel. Hey, if you ever want to find us on Twitter, I'm at Dan Byer on Fox. Mike, they can get you at. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Easy enough. And now you can find Mike Harmon's bag of fun. What have you got in the bag of fun? Did you find it at the Luke Bryan concert last night at Wrigley Field? Or what do you got? Well, well, I, I thought about it a little bit. You know, he, he had some fun. He made picks on game day in the morning or whatever. I was going to start yelling about his picks. But no, <laughs> how about the Oklahoma game uh, where they beat up on FAU? Yes. Something statistically relevant. Because Bob Stoops' son, Drake Stoops, made his debut for the Sooners, caught a pass with Oklahoma up 35 nothing during the second quarter. According to an Oklahoma historian, Drake Stoops became the first true freshman walk-on to record a statistic in the Sooners opener. Wow. And so we did right. that before, right? We talked about all these AP top 25 appearances and where Oklahoma ranked all time among the leaders there. And you think about the the greatness and the longevity of the institution. That seems fairly significant to me that you finally had a guy crack through. Stoopsing to a new level. How about oh, that? Yeah, look at you. you. Go. Yes, there you go. Nicely I done. I got one low. more for you, Dan. Okay, go ahead. All right, but first, Fox Sports Sunday is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money 
Well, switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Now, you remember last year we had the turnover chain, Dan? Ah, yes, in the U, University of Miami. Right? Yes. Miami had that. Well, not to be outdone, Boise State decided to say, you know what, get your chains all fine and good, but they, they made a throne. <laughs> yes, an actual turnover throne. I saw this, yes. Uh, all adorned, you know, making it all silvery and, and all like a giant trophy on the sideline. Uh, the title, you know, as everybody called it, you are now the king of the turnovers. I'll make sure to get a picture of it out. Uh, Tony Lashley with an interception was the first player to sit on the throne and the grinning ear to ear like he'd really won some kind of major trophy. I was waiting for a speech. And the, the it was a road game yesterday for Boise State, so you had to wrap up the turnover throne, probably in bubble wrap, to make the trip when they face Troy. That I'll say this: it is very difficult to duplicate great things. Like you even saw schools last year trying to do their own turnover chain. Congratulations, not only on Boise State and coming up with their own, but actually doing something that I think is more fun and more intriguing than the actual turnover chain. I know it's the original, but I think Boise State was able to uh, to do something what few are able to do, and that's crank it up a notch. How about the, just having fun? Yes, absolutely. Right? I, mean, when, I mean, think about some of the stories we've had to work through. And, and look, we, we're we honored to be able to be here and to talk to you through the Geico Studios. We appreciate you taking a few minutes with us wherever you may be. But, you know, some some of the stuff, it's not fun between the white lines and just, you know, you know the love of the game kind of aspect. No, mm-hmm. we finally have one of those on the sidelines, and I, I'm all for it. All right, Mike. Next week we're going to debut the new fantasy show for 2018. Yeah, as buddy. Week one will be here, so it's our last chance on Fox Sports Sunday to get our picks in, if you will. Yes, our final parlay of the season, and it's not even really a parlay. It's AFC winner, NFC winner. And who wins the Super Bowl? We just talked about the conferences and how they break down. Mike Harmon, lay it on the line. Who plays in Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta in February? And who claims the Vince Lombardi trophy? I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints on the NFC side. And maybe to make it some friends there back in Los Angeles with the L.A. Chargers. Ah. And with the Chargers. Finishing the job, Phillip finally gets that elusive Super Bowl ring. Oh, the Chargers bringing home the Lombardi. You and I are on the same wavelength with the Saints. I think that there is really something there in New Orleans to get it done this year with Drew Brees. I love Jacksonville's defense so much. I think it takes him to the Super Bowl. A Jacksonville Saints Super Bowl ends with the Jaguars winning Super Bowl 53. Yes, with Blake Bortles. Hey, we're talking fantasy next week. Good luck, everybody. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 